0: Anyway, after about three hours, Tap finally comes up, <laughs> and he's about 18 inches from this boar's nose. They're nose to nose, 18 inches apart, and I just heard him, uh, well, you know what word he used, and he just disappeared back <laughs> underwater.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. Today's episode is brought to you by Exo Mountain Gear. I've been using the Exo packs for several years now, and was super impressed with not only the pack, but the support from the team at Exo Mountain Gear. The EXO range of packs are now very well known for their comfort, durability, simplicity and excellent load hauling capabilities. The packs come in three different sizes, so whether it's a day hunt or a 10 day backpack hunt, there's a pack that will suit you. If you're in the market for a new pack, make sure an EXO pack is on your hit list. Check out the range of packs at ExoMountGear.com. No pressure. I reckon the pressures on me today, I don't... Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Two guys you've read magazines for for about makes you 300 it. years. Oh, I wasn't going to say that because that makes you sound yeah. as if you're Well, old he's older old. than me,
2: so I'm feeling good.
1: <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the hunting camp down under. Um, very humble today. I've got two legends of the, uh, well, true legends of the bow community in Australia. And uh, in some ways, you can say founders of it as well. So, uh, David Whiting and Dave Keeble, how are you, boys? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, we've just uh we're down in Bathurst, New South Wales and Australia and uh we've had we're actually in the Archery Museum. Um I've never been here, I didn't know much about it, but we've been trying to give it a bit of a push of late. And uh some of the stuff here is absolutely incredible and yesterday we did some awards. A few of the guys were inducted into the Hall of Fame and um that was a big reason for us to come down and we've all got together and a little bit of a small turnout back at round at Ian Fenton's house and he's backyard he's got a beautiful little shed and we're surrounded by his paintings and it's just an incredible spot so but more importantly you know haven't you got two guys on here who uh, I guess have you know been there done it seen it all pretty much in Australian bowling. Um we'll start with you Dave Whiting um, mate if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and
2: how you got into the sport and uh, and then we'll we'll jump over to Keeble yeah no worries uh, thanks for that Craig yeah so uh, about 1969 good mate of mine at school uh, come along and come to the school on the Monday morning and said, Dave, he said, I, and I come off the land around Canberra. He come along to school and he said, Dave, he said, uh, he said, I went out with a couple of guys on the weekend and we whistled some foxes and shot at them with a bow and arrow. He said, I reckon you'd love it. I played footy with this young fella. Um, anyhow, uh, uh, a couple of weeks later, we're out. A couple of weeks later, we're out and about with the, uh, with a bow, a little celery stick fiberglass bow, a uh, little 30, 40 cent each arras that we bought at the local sports store. And uh, we're out whistling those foxes, thought we were the only blokes in Australia hunting with a bow and arrow, thought there was (laughs) no one else. Um, So, yeah, probably we probably went along on those lines for a fair while, just hunting small game like rabbits and uh, foxes and completely self-taught. As I said, we didn't really think there was anyone else doing bow hunting. Uh, Completely self-taught. And then about uh, Easter of 1974, I... uh, I'd, and we graduated a bit, I finally had a laminated root curve and um, we uh, we done a hunt down my hometown of uh, Adlong in central New South Wales or southern New South Wales and I was lucky enough to shoot a, uh, I, I knocked over a 42 and a half inch goat that was uh, at the time the Australian record was 39 inches and on the Norman Douglas score the record was 109 in Douglas points and um, This goat I knocked over is 123 and a half Douglas points, 42 and a half inches, first one of that size in Australia. And I contacted, uh, when I'd shot this, I knew someone said, that's going to be an Australian record. So I contacted Ian Fenton, who was living at Tamworth at the time. Um, And Ian says, yes, yes, Dave. He said, we'll get it officially measured. He said, "Uh, what are you doing with it? I said, well, I want to get a taxiderm. I was 18 years old at this stage. Sort I of really knew no one in the world in regards to bow hunting and archery, but I'd read a few of Ian Fenton and Dallas Conway's stories, two real Australian bow hunting icons back in the 60s and 70s. And so that's how I got on to Ian. He gave me the name of a uh, taxidermist called Kurt Karsner in uh, Sydney, I sent the head away. Uh, unfortunately, I never got the head back. Uh, I won't go into that, but uh, <laughs> the- uh, We hear some of the stories, don't we? Y- yeah, yeah. But anyway, what, bottom line is Kurt Karsner, the taxidermist died while it was in transit. Okay. And uh, I just, I was a young bloke, I just never followed through and never got the head back. Yeah, but sure. I had it measured by a Deer Association guy and uh, uh, they confirmed the size and that, but I never got it entered as an Australian record. And one of the things I guess that bugged me, but end of the day, that's what happens. Um, But by contacting Ian, I all of a sudden realised there was organised bow hunting in Australia. And that was my first contact, the first link, and I worked for one of the big banks in Australia at the time. Uh, I got transferred to a place called Albury-Wodonga on the New South Wales-Victorian border. And Ian put me in contact with a couple of guys who were at the awards yesterday, uh, Alan Koenig and Doug DePell and... uh, uh, when I got down working the bank there, they come and met me and I joined a club called the Southern Riverina Trophy Hunters, which um, apart from the Tully Bow Hunters, which uh, Dave Keeble, who's sitting next to me here, was a member of in far north Queensland, the Southern Riverina Trophy Bow Hunters was the most active club in Australia for shooting and recording trophy class game. Yep. And basically Alan Koenig and Doug DePell and another fellow called Tom Hills from down there... Um, they took me under their wing and, uh, yeah, taught me a great deal about bow hunting and uh, bow hunting and how to record our game and all that sort of stuff and measure it and uh, and from there it just flowed pretty well. By about 1978, I was uh, I'd moved back to Canberra and I was the uh, Australian Bowhunting Association's representative in Canberra for. Uh, uh, training people on uh, you know how to measure their game and uh, rate their game and send it off to the association. Um, and yeah, as I said, pretty well full swing into it by then. And the other thing I was doing, um, I- I've I've always been a very active bow hunter. 40, 49 years I've been bow hunting, and um, uh, pretty well most weeks I get out somewhere for a walk and have a shot with a bow and arrow. Um, at the stage now, I don't care if I don't shoot at an animal, but um, the other thing about me i'm a i'm a bit of a small game hunter i love the yeah. foxes and rabbits and you know if a good goat or a good pig or a good deer comes along so be it but i just enjoy the challenge of the hunt with traditional gear yeah. um so from an administration point of view um as i said i was with the australian bow hunting station for many years helping them out with the running of it in australia from the act area level yeah. um he yeah, was on various clubs, quite often the president or the, being a banker was quite often the treasurer or the president, or whatever. But uh, those positions in uh, Albury-Wodonga, uh, Canberra, uh, they're the two main ones, and later in Wellington in New South Wales. Um, but then in 1986, I attended a, a big archery shoot, uh, the Orange Walkabout in Orange. And uh, we had a meeting there and felt there wasn't quite enough being done for the, by the Australian Bowhunting Association. We felt at that time there wasn't it was more leaning towards the target side of things and sure. I'm sure even in other countries they've struck this where they think, well, the revenue's probably coming in from the target shooters mm-hmm. but um uh you know, so they've got to look after them. But we felt the association wanna look after it. So we formed a group uh called Trophy Tages in nineteen eighty six. Um And uh, that was purely using a system, which I'm sure many would have heard of, using the Norman Douglas measuring system out of New Zealand. Uh, We used that system for people, anyone that hunted in Australia that wanted to shoot trophy game, have it measured and compared against other people's. Um, We formed Trophy Tags in 1986. I initially took on the position of, uh, of treasurer. Unfortunately, in 1988, our chairman, Roger Coe, had a serious car accident. Uh, Ian Fenton rung me long before Moguls, of course, but he rings me on my home number and says, Dave, he said, can you just step into the position for six months, uh, uh, step in step into the position for six months while, I, um, while we have it, till we have our next AGM. So that was uh, that was October uh, 1988, and back in October, people's having a little chuckle. Yeah, yeah. Back back in October 2017, after 29 odd years, I stepped down as chairman. So yeah, it was a little bit more than six months, but um, the people I met through that and the life experiences, and uh, um, I know Craig. I'll give you a bit of stuff to read yesterday yeah, on my yeah on my what my take out to being chairman of uh, an organization like trophy takers for 29 oh. years and i've got to tell you and it's always been the case with me it's a long way from just killing an animal mm. um it's the challenges of it um it's the people you meet in the sport i've really in so this is my 49th year of bow hunting and archery and well into the 40th year of uh, organized archery and bow hunting and uh I can basically count on one hand the people I've had an issue with in that time. Yeah, that's incredible. My, I, my attitude is people that take on hunting with a bow and arrow have already got that bit, a little bit of self-control and um, they've got a bit of decency about them. Like they're, they're out there to try and challenge themselves to do the right thing and hunt with a bow and arrow. Um, and if they don't get the trophy at the end of the day, there's no sad sacks or anything. You just you just go on with life yep. and enjoy your day in the bush. Yeah, definitely. Um, just jumping forward, and I've got plenty I could say, but just jumping forward, just to give you an idea. I've just had, uh, I've just had a month's leave, and my wife's over in uh, my second wife's over in China at the moment. She's over there for a few months. I've just had a month's leave. I estimate in that time of uh, between New Zealand and Australia, I reckon I've walked over 400 kilometers in the bush. Uh, whilst I was in New Zealand, I shot two, uh, turkeys, which i was wrapped because I've never taken a turkey with a bow and arrow. There's not many things I haven't shot with a bow and arrow, but, uh, <laughs> except a few of the deer species. But, um, I, I sat and reflected the other day. I had most of those days in the bush, seen some beautiful country in New Zealand, beautiful country in Australia, uh, probably 400 kilometers of walking and camping and, uh, in a lot of solo hunting. And at the end of it, yeah, shot two, two turkeys for 400 odd. Yep. 400 odd kilometres of walking, yeah. and that. And at the end of the day, I look back and I couldn't have had a better time. Yeah, couldn't have had a, a better time. So I think you've got to have that attitude. Um, I mentioned somewhere the other day that, uh, when I was a 13 year old, even though I played rugby league, and that uh, when I was a 13 year old, I was a very, very sickly asthmatic. Uh, and I was only talking about my elderly father and my cousin about it the other day in my hometown. Um, you know, that they were ever bringing me back from death in the major hospitals in Canberra and that from bad asthma attacks and that. And uh, anyway, I found bow hunting in, at the age of 13 and my nickname is Death March because I'll put a pack on and uh, uh, leave camp in the dark and get back. And Dave knows a bit of this. Mm-hmm. He's done a couple of walks with me. But um, yeah, put the pack on in the morning and get back after dark. And uh, we've got no doubt that that 40 odd years of doing that um, really saved my life. Yeah. If uh, you know, if I hadn't found bow hunting and knocked around with the sort of guys I did, and we done those sort of walks, and and done it for the right reasons, done that, uh, got that enjoyment and that out of it, and um, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's not. I don't care, and I've I've walked with first grade footballers, basketballers, triathletes, and everything in the bush, and at the end of the day, you know, I do as well as them. Even though I'm not, I don't see myself as a fit person, but I'm strong in the mind. Mm. It's all hard. Anyone starts walking up a hill, it's all hard. No matter how fit you are, you just put your mind out, you, that out of your mind, and you simply do it. Mm. So, you know that it's never ever been a task for me. I just absolutely love being out in the bush, um, and I love I love the fact that you're. Um, uh, well, you you make your own choices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you want to shoot at something, or and, and Dave and I both challenge ourselves by uh, uh, hunting with the with the recurves and that, mm-hmm. and the longbows, but at the end of the day, you're making your own choices. You're out there doing what you want to do, and so lucky we've just got that good nucleus of friends. Yep. Um, go, going back to me being sickly in that, I'd just say that uh, those nucleus of friends I knocked around with, it's no coincidence, um, most of those guys put a lot back into the sport. Yeah. I see I see guys come and go in the sport there for four or five years and they're gung ho and want to give every record they can and um, you know, and all of a sudden it becomes a real task to get all and mate, I love my trophy bow hunting. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden it becomes a real task to get every one of those records and they go four or five years and then all of a sudden they get those records and the enjoyment's not there. Mm. I just say to people some people say to me, Well, why are you in trophy takers or why are you promote that? Um you know, hunting is not about shooting trophies. It's not, but it's a component of it, a big yeah. part of it for me. I love that side of it. But I tell people whether the Australian Bowhunting Association existed or whether um, uh, uh, trophy takers existed or not, end of the day, I'd be still doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I'd be going out, making a choice. If I want to take a shot at something, uh, I'd take it. If I don't want to take a shot, I don't take it. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing, going back to the 13-year-old thing, I'm very much of the attitude that the sport owes me nothing. It's yeah. given me a life. That's awesome. Yeah, it's given me a life. If I if I hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. And and secondly, just just the people, great people. Yeah. I've met yeah. people, you know, Dave's been, what, 40 years, Dave? be close, we'll anyhow. Put up I, who put I'm up not really sure, but it'd be 30, 30-odd 30 years, anyhow. So, um, who put up with who? Uh,
0: well, well I'm glad both. he was flipping sick when he was walking around because I had a hell of a job keeping <laughs> up with him then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah no it's yes. it's it's you know it definitely helped me and um and I'm a bit like you i used to read I used to read Dave's stories back in the seventies hunting up and, uh, and we've just had uh, ben Solaris's father down here, slosh okay. Pete Solaris who's one of dave keeble's best mates yeah um and I used to read their stories and that there I'm sort of down here chasing foxes and rabbits, yeah. and they're up in the swamps up in the cape and they're chasing these big yeah, boars and know. No, I guess we we both had that mutual respect for one another yep. You know, in terms of what we'd achieved with the bow and arrow. Um, and it, these days, and I'm sure I get the chance to never hunt up the Cape one day or something with Dave, but on these days, my biggest joy in life, I've shot well over 100 foxes with a bow and arrow, only one of those with a compound, and that was after me mate Ben Chambers sort of said, well, you've shot over 100 with recurves <laughs> and longbows. I want to see if you can get one with a compound. Totally so I went out with him, actually. I went out with him with a... With the compound and uh, um, first fox, we come in, come in, whack, on the ground, a little half grown thing. Well, oh, that's easy, I'll go back to the recurb. But I had the compound with me for the day. So uh, then I proceeded with the compound to miss 12 in a row. So, <laughs> so I thought, oh, maybe it's not as easy. And then I realised the compound's twice as heavy and, oh, I don't really want to carry this <laughs> around. And, yeah. yeah, so, um, you yeah, know, well, I'm very much a traditional bow hunter. But um, anyone that knows when I've done my annual awards and that, um, uh, when I do the annual awards presentation, our trophy takers awards, uh, I do it with an absolute passion and Dave's been to plenty of them and can uh, uh, verify this. But I give uh, whether the person's got the most high tech bow and arrow or the most basic uh, uh, recurve or traditional gear. When I do that presentation, we're all bow hunters, we're all archers. And I give them the absolute respect they deserve, and the animal deserves for that trophy taken with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Um, I don't differentiate, even though my preference personally um, is for the traditional gear. Yeah, yeah. Credits yeah. I got plenty else to say, but you might to... No, nah, you're that. right. Look, I've
1: got so many questions to jump down there, but we'll yeah. we'll, we'll jump over. Yeah, let Dave have a talk. I'll have
2: a drink. <laughs> yeah,
1: do that. are <laughs> um, obviously, yeah. you know, you're you're obviously from an area that's been very rich in bow hunting for so many years. Um, Give us a bit of a background of, of how you got into it um, and and the history behind yourself. Yeah, right.
0: you know, in many ways, uh, my uh, trip through bow hunting from the seventies to now is almost identical to Dave's. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, saw so, um, saw a little Ben Pearson uh, forty pound recurve in a shop in Sydney in I think seventy one or seventy two, three arrows. So I went in and bought it because. I had done a little bit of... I'll just pop back to when I was 12. I'd done a little bit of hunting at home in England with a uh, lemonwood bow. Yeah. But you can't leave them out in the cold. I find they they instantly became a two-piece bow. <laughs> Take the uh, yeah. <laughs> And Unfortunately, yeah. But I had chasing run. I did kill a duck once, but uh, it wasn't exactly fair game and chase. So, we <laughs> uh, so anyway, we we'll go back to 1970. I saw the bow there, and uh, I used to do high-rise steel fixing uh building anything in sydney for six months and then i'd go back up to north Queensland where i had a job as in the sugar mills yeah sure they kept yep. your job for you yeah uh, as long as you turned up the following season and uh anyway got back up there and uh swapped mills went from gordonvale down to tully and uh yeah bumped into slosh he was an electrician, 17-year-old electrician in the mill. He had a yeah. younger brother, yeah. Tap, who's also a really t- uh, top bow owner. And, uh, yeah, a few of the other guys that were formed the nucleus of the Tully Club, but that didn't happen for a couple of years. Sure. We, we, uh, we did quite a bit of hunting, uh, taking the bows with us. We were lucky that um, uh, Trevor opened up a sports store, so we managed to get a, a few bows and this, that and the other. Uh, of him and uh, we were hunting uh, uh, probably for a year we took guns and bows yep. we all had high-power bloody rifles and that but slowly yeah, nobody made any executive decision that the guns would stay at home but we just suddenly realised the guns were, weren't coming hunting with us anymore we were into the bows Yeah, and uh, yeah well uh, then we uh, I don't think we formed the club officially until about 76 okay. but there was a, a, a group of us then about 10 of us all up Um hunting with the bows, Uh, two of the guys went down to Townsville and came back and said, hey, there's a big bow shoot on in a fortnight. And, uh, oh, yeah, so we out. started practising and (laughs) everything. And uh, like our evolution coming through with the bows, I can still remember we didn't know what a knocking point was. We we knew absolutely nothing about bows, the majority of us. And uh, anyway, uh, we gradually got that together. And, uh, yeah, then when they came back up, said there's a big bow shoot, 13 of us turned up down there, and that was the very first ABA uh, North Queensland Safari. Wow. And uh, so we all bounced into, uh, joined ABA, and, uh, yeah, the highest, I think Slosh had the highest number. He was 87. The two guys that went down were numbers 17 and 18. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Kev White was there walking around on his crutch. Yep. He'd broken his leg and uh, got to know him really well. And, uh, like, he's probably one of the finest guys I've ever heard just talking. Yeah. It's a pity he isn't alive today. Yeah,
2: yeah. 40, how old? 40-odd years old, when he? wasn't very old. He wasn't very
0: old at all. He, do, um, he knew he was dying. He went for sort of one big trip around okay. uh, up to the Northern Territory yeah. and that. He knew uh, somewhere. And uh, Bill Ware, who's another yeah. really great friend of mine, um, he was a, a very good friend of his. Uh, anyway, uh, I went round to Kev's place and he showed me how to make arrows properly. Because mm. uh, we were in our infancy still there. as to, uh, You know, how to put a... Well, basically how to hunt and everything. Yeah. There was a lot of game coming in in the early days. Yeah. But it seemed to skyrocket from there. And uh, I can still remember sitting around the campfire at the end of this... Uh, the first shoot. And he put his hand up and said, uh, well... Uh, who wants to put it on next year so we just shot our hands up yeah we will yeah. we weren't a club we didn't have any money but we yeah. decided to put the second one on yeah sure and uh, we did that at uh, the barracks uh, that's uh, where I lived for oh, about 12 years and mm-hmm. it was the unofficial headquarters of the club of oh, the club yeah beautiful little place and uh, yeah so we put it on there went and, uh, out in the rainforest and along the creek yep. put on the first shoot there and uh, yeah things started really happening then um as I said, with Trevor getting the uh, the uh, shop up and running, and mm. uh, plus we were doing trips, uh, even Slosh and I used to come down pick fruit at Shepparton. um Caught up with a lot of guys at Dennis Lambert. Uh, we was we were sending ivory down to him to get it measured mm-hmm. and back, and uh, he said, "Look, it'd be a lot easier if I teach you to measure game." Yeah, and uh, so he taught me to measure. Ah, uh, yeah, I hope I'm getting this all in the right order, ain't I? No, that's right. and, uh that's uh, And so, yeah, so, uh, and then we got found Bob Doring, so he had a gold mine of absolutely top arrows, the whole lot, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, then we uh, really got serious, by then we got the four-wheel drives, yep. cause before as I said, Slosh was only 17, he got the first, he got a little Land Rover, and uh, our first big hunting A's with uh, him and his Land Rover, with all the stuff on and then six of us on trail bikes <laughs> and uh Gee. yeah we'd we'd uh head off up into the hills over the range from tully yeah uh, we've had some good hunting spots up there and uh, oh we had a ball doing yeah, that okay. yeah on the trail bikes and of course if you saw a ball across the road that's <laughs> he was in trouble to hell, to hell with <laughs> the bow hunt <laughs> chase, him, chase him on the trail bikes and yeah we had some uh had some fun there but and uh yeah then slowly we got four-wheel drives together and uh because we didn't have television in the barracks uh slosh and i had every uh map we actually had the whole of cape york on the army maps Yep. if we laid them out we could cover the floor from one end of the barracks oh, to the did. other yeah. so uh yeah we used to sit there at night time checking out areas that looks good that looks good yeah okay well boom 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 and that's how we started finding yep. some really good spots reading yep. these maps uh, Cat Swamp was one in particular. I went out, with Sosh there. We got uh, twenty-two pigs over the weekend between wow. us, and we yeah. were in our infancy still then, as far yeah. as uh, shooting really accurately. In fact, I can safely say I shoot far more accurately now than when I was, a, yeah, in sure. that age group. Um, can Can I just say it?
2: something there, Dave? Yeah. Sorry. Go for um, it. The Tully, the Tully Bow Hunters. I mentioned in the Southern Riverina Club that I was in. Yeah. Well, the Tully Bow Hunters, to their credit, as well as being in the Australian Bowling Association and registering that game, uh, the Tully Bow Hunters keep a book of their game. So yeah. Take me the bow and arrow. And, mate, it is the absolute best history. So, it's got all the names of the guys going back to the 1970s, what their name is, what they got, what the Douglas score of the ball, or whatever it was, what sort of arrow and what sort of broadhead. It is the most, if you ever get to one of the Tully shoots or in that area, say, can you drag out your game recording book? It is just the most incredible bit of history. And what, I've listened to a couple of things Dave said, a couple of things we've got to remember is we're talking in the the, uh, 70s and 80s. So I think for a while you had a bit of a dabble with the compounds of that, Dave, but but pretty, but pretty well. All this was shot with wooden arrows, uh, mainly the Davies, uh, Davies uh, Aztecs, and Davies yep. Delta broadheads. Yep. Yep. Yeah, wooden shafts and traditional recurs and that. Mm-hmm. And the the uh, the ivory that these guys collected this twelve or thirteen. And I, I you know, I've known Dave, as I said for many many years, but I still listen to his stories oh. with his, with the different guys that he hunted with, which were all sort of legends to me. They're similar age to me, maybe a few years older. But i listen to the stories he tells and um the amount of good balls they put away in those days with gear that sort of well it's probably gear similar to what dave and i are still using now but yeah. a lot of people have graduated beyond of that. Sort of. yeah, yeah. Yep. but but just to uh i'll let dave go on but just yeah. to reiterate if you're ever in that tully area oh. at a shoot or whatever just say can we please have a look at your game book yep yeah. and um yeah it's just yep. amazing just amazing the game they took in those days incredible
0: yeah, it was called the Kill Book. <laughs> the Kill Book. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well put. Is that politically uh, correct? What?
2: Is that politically correct? Yep. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> it is, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> in my <laughs> eyes, <Yeah>. it is. <laughs>
0: yeah, I started that when the, the club was uh, first formed, just out of interest. And uh, yeah, it in handy. I had one uh, university wanted to know the uh, figures, facts, yeah. and figures, and everything on it. Uh, well. Yeah, it was mainly yeah, just number of arrows used, but uh, yeah. how far they ran. Uh, yeah. And yeah, other details, and yeah, just list them all down. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, there's 1500 in there at the time. I don't know where it is at the moment. Yeah. But uh, now, once we, we got a roll on, as I said, um, probably, oh, I forget, buddy, except the exact year, but yeah, it suddenly, be, yeah, we were full on hunting. That yeah. was it. We had the bass. We had 36 properties at one stage, and we oh. were lucky enough to get Cal Power. Which was twelve hundred square miles, yep. property, which had everything on it, and no one else was allowed on there with a bow and arrow and you couldn't you couldn't poach it because it was bordered by a river, yep, and the station house was right on the the road where you crossed, yeah, yeah, and there was a little sign there that uh uh what did it say trespass um, will be shot no no uh, <laughs> uh those wishing to leave floral arrangements on the person or the people that were shot. <laughs> That's it, please proceed very quietly leave your Yeah. Words to that effect. <laughs> that was right, and that was Jack Scott all over. Yeah. yeah. You didn't stuff around with Jack and uh I can remember the Yeah, that was sort of one of the first really good places we got. Uh, It came about because two of the guys went up and did grading. They were going to do coal mining there, and they had to have a lot of straight strips graded for them to test or something or other. And anyway, we got a foot in the door, and I can still remember the first trip up. And uh, because I was the oldest, I was the one that had to go with Jack. In his Land Cruiser, he was going to show us around the property a yeah. bit, and uh, here we roared off. And Jack's there, and he's got this bloody roly cigarette in a holder <laughs> in his corner of his mouth. And I thought, oh, well, I better make a bit of conversation because he wasn't the <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> that's the outspoken guy. No, he <laughs> wasn't an outspoken guy. So I I said to him, I said, oh, how many acres is this property? And he went, acres, and, sh- and the the uh, the cigarette holder flew out and hit <laughs> the windscreen <laughs> and bounced <parents laughs> back between us in the shower. <laughs> He said, it's 1,200 square miles. You work out how many fucking acres it (laughs) is. Jeez. (laughs) I thought, oh, fuck, I'm off to a good start here. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it came good. We got through, and uh, I never seen anybody change into low range on a Land Cruiser like Jack did. He had a fist on him like a a leg of ham, Mm. and he just used to smash the gear lever into submission to get it down into low range. (laughs) 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 And we'd plough in and through. And anyway, we saw some pigs, so the guys jumped out, and I'm still sitting in there with him, and uh, they're running around in the bush. Next minute, this bloody sow walked out right in front of us. And Jack's sitting there watching this thing, and Ian Lardy pulled off the the most magic shot you've ever seen. He hit it in the back of the head, uh, in the spine, uh, where it joins the head, and it went dunk. (laughs) And about the biggest compliment you could get off with Jack was... That, that was, it. was it. Yeah, So you've done well. Got a yeah, he, done I well. think there was a little bit of a nod of the head because <laughs> his pig just dropped dead like that. He thought, oh, these bows do work. Okay, so right we're right. away. now. Right, yeah. yeah, so then, uh, yeah, we really got stuck into it. Because he, he was saying, oh, we've got a big mob of lakes out there. He said, nobody's ever been out there. <laughs> That'll <wouldn't laughs> be changing soon. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we hunted that property and barrow there for yep. several years. And uh, then the basalt wall that yep. was that's still probably the most incredible place to hunt yeah, it is awesome i rent. reckon they're born there with 25 <laughs> points yep yeah oh. and they just get bigger
2: what sort yeah. of drive time out to cal for you dave from tully to who out to cal okay. what sort of drive time cal cal power, cal power oh cal
0: power was seven hours yep yeah we yeah. used to go every third week when i was <laughs> <the change laughs> and <on> and that's <laughs> terrible Yeah. Uh, yeah, it depend. Uh, yeah, it's when I was on night uh, came home for night shift, so they would throw a sickie on the Friday. <laughs> Be careful! I like get docked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we. I uh, that would give me a chance. I'd go and uh, do all the shopping, uh, get the food supplies together, and then we'd leave. And uh, we always came home. i had a bit of a sleep on the uh, Monday night. Uh, on the Monday, as we came home, we'd leave up there about uh, just before tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I'd sleep in the back of the truck and they'd pull up outside the mill. I'd have my sandwiches made and walk into the mill and start night shift every third week. The engineers knew when me and Tap were standing in the alleyway talking, Tap was going to have that sicky and I was going to have it. <laughs> And They just used to shake their head then they couldn't stop it. And yeah, we unreal. hunted every three, uh, three weeks out of basalt wall. We used to make arrangements, we're hunting it this weekend, you'll be doing next weekend, you'll be doing next weekend, and rotate it round. So you like, had a roster for work and yeah, roster for Yeah, we had a roster hunting. for work, roster for hunting, and uh, that's how it went. And Perfect there, life. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, uh, well, as Dave said, we took, turned around and rewrote the record books on. Yeah. I think we had four guys in the top ten at one stage, and there's still three in there. For boars. Right? Yeah, for, for ball. the boar records, yeah. 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 Bill Hill. He wasn't a paid-up member of our club, but he hunted with us yep. all the time, and he, he was just a bloody uh, yeah. legend. Yeah, I've got,
1: got a question for both of you, and, and this mm. is, um, I guess it's something that's in media now um, with the younger generation of hunters and stuff, and they're, they're struggling to answer this, but what has been the drive for you guys with the trophy? And Dave, you touched on it before. You said it's not all about the trophy, but yeah. it's stayed well alive. Is it purely because of what, stories and you're going down a really good line with this cable now but is it the stories that chasing that trophy brings is what keeps that I guess that drive um you probably I'm sort of hard, struggling yeah. to answer the question yeah uh, um yeah. ask the question here but
2: yeah. yeah what is it
1: about the trophy lot like, what does it give you
2: well I th- I think it's the search partic- particularly with the traditional gear and that's what's kept me fresh but I think it's the search and the challenge of it yep mm. um I, I hear people say now, uh, I shot that animal as a cull animal and I took that for meat. Yeah, it drives me or, insane. So a, yeah, you know what yeah, direction I'm taking this Yeah, it drives, it drives me insane because um, I think to myself, well, did they ever think of putting down the compound and the sites and that same cull animal... Becomes a trophy. ...becomes a trophy mm. with a recurve or a longbow. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sort of side annoys me. Like I've, I remember there I had a period I bought a Perks longbow, and David remembered it, a 72-pound Perks longbow. And there for a period, I was shooting as well. I used to go up to Jeff Chalicum's shoots up there at Mary Bow, those uh, traditional shoots. And I was shooting that bow and shooting it quite well. So I thought, oh, and I ran into the a bloke there that won it. He was a Kiwi guy. And he had one of those, like those Selway quivers on the bow. And I'd always use a bare recur with a bare quiver on it. I liked, me, I liked me bow quivers. And I remember... I remember um, running into this guy, and I thought, well, if he can win the shoot with one of these quivers on these bows, I'm going to get one and put it on the bow. Anyhow, I hunted for two or three years with this 72-pound uh, t- perks, and one stage, at one stage I had my best best bore. I had a 30, 31.5-point bore with it. I had my best goat with it. I had my best, um, uh, best fox with it with this longbow. Anyhow, I remember we'd done a big trip up into the... Uh, Oh, it's now a national park. It wasn't then, I promise, up into the Cooler Tops National Parks. Yep. And we used to camp up in there, and we got stuck. There were six or seven of us, and we got stuck. There was black soil. We're right up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And my mates have actually, sh- Emmanuel Ages and Chris Herbert, that have actually bought this property now, yep. but, uh, uh, or the edge of it. But anyhow, um, we got stuck up there. I was hunting with my Perk's longbow, and I had a arrows. Torrential rain the whole time. We're absolutely stuck. He couldn't come off the hill with trailers because black soil would just push off the bloody cliffs. So yeah, I hunted with the perks, hunted, hunted and all my arrows were wrecked. The fl- feathers were completely flattened onto it. Yep. So I remember the next day, and people are going to say this is crazy, but I remember the next day after two or three days of hunting with the longbow on that particular trip, a few years of hunting all the time with that longbow, I had some bear recurve and some recurve arrows there. So I, I filled my bear bow quiver up and I head off and I remember, I can still remember very clearly. I walked out of camp and I almost felt like the challenge wasn't there. Like the longbow's a little bit harder yep. to get game than it is with the recurve. And I can distinctly remember walking out and the same bounce wasn't in my step because, oh, you know, this is not going to be as, um, you know, this this is not going to be the challenge that I've been having for the last couple of years. Yep. But i got to tell you, that soon disappeared. I got a kilometre from camp, whistled a fox in and missed it for three metres and <laughs> we're back in the swing of it. And I've been missing ever since. But, uh, but yeah, so... You know, there's plenty of challenges with mm. any sort of bow hunting and I'll let Dave have a say in a minute, mm. but I I tell people all the time, forty nine years into it, my enthusiasm is no less and I remember talking, I'd done a trip a couple of years back with Ben Chambers and we we're talking about it, you know, and they they see it in me, but my enthusiasm is no less now than when I was a thirteen year old hunting with a bow and arrow. Because I think I've done it the right way. I've I'm in there to give back to the sport. I enjoy what I get out of it, but it's not the killing of the animal. And, mate, no-one celebrates a good trophy if I happen to get one. Yep. No-one celebrates it more than me. I, I really a few, appreciate it. I've heard a few stories last mm. night. I've heard a few stories last oh, I night. I doubt it. <laughs> Did you vet them or what? But anyhow. Yeah, so, um, you know, if I get a trophy, that's good. But I just told you the story of the two turkeys in 400 kilometres yep. and, you know, travelling New Zealand and half of New yep. South Wales. And... Uh, doesn't worry me at all i just Mm. absolutely love being in the bush and love challenging myself and i do push people a bit you know um in some of my writings and that to give the recurves and longbows a go yeah you don't just say well i shot it because it's a cull animal i shot it for meat one thing the other thing very quickly about bow hunting you never ever because it's it's a sport of choice because we can all pick up a gun and go and do it you never ever and i've pushed this all you never have to justify why you shot any animal with a bow and arrow. You never have to justify it to anyone. Totally agree. Bow hunting is completely a personal choice sport. Yep. Yeah. I'll let let Mr. Keeble to say.
0: Well, if they have to ask the question why you hunt with a bow, they wouldn't understand the answer anyway. Very well put. Well said. Yeah. uh, No, I I think what's kept... I still love the hunting. There's yep. no two ways I get away. And I had a really good hunt, uh, yeah, with Slosh and Ben and Tap. He, he hadn't been out That's uh, Slosh's younger yep. brother. And, uh, yeah, a couple of others. Uh, up the Gulf. Well, we got. I got a sow. I think one of them. Oh, yeah, when got a little boar. That yep. was it. But that was the most brilliant trip, But you know. Yeah, I, just, I, just a blast. Yeah, just an absolute blast sitting there. Uh, i tell you about one trip I did with uh, Tap. That's John and uh yeah up on calpar just the two of us pulled up at the, the first little lake and the idea was you walk the lake. i'll go around one way he'll go around the other we meet on the other side carry on to the next lake and do them over one at a time like that and so i headed off and uh he was wiring something back on the land cruiser that was normal <laughs> 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 something had fallen off anyway. but anyway i'd only gone about 100 yards and i heard this cooey and i stopped and then I heard a bit more higher pitched uh, cooey, and then I so I started walking back briskly. And uh, yeah, the next cooey was for Christ's sake, get here. <laughs> so I oh God, what's he done now? Uh, yeah, while he was playing with his land crews, this bloody great boar had walked across and uh, he'd well and truly stirred it up and he'd run out of arrows. <laughs> and this boar was underneath this bloody uh, bush looking at him, and yeah, he's crouched there and he's staring at this boar. he got his Empty bow out in one hand, and he's beckoning me in with the other one. Quick, get here. Give us an arrow. So anyway, the boar sort of looked out and thought, oh, God, now there's two of them. <laughs> so he sort of wandered off. We followed him down. And anyway, we ended up on this little tiny creek, just an overflow from the lake. Tree there and, uh, and this massive exposed tree roots. And this boar's just on the other side, and Taps looking at it. And he said, what are you reckon? I said, no, nah, there's no way you can get across there, mate. You're all right. Give him one so he, he hit him well this bloody boar came across this tree root system like a bloody ballerina <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taps bow hit the ground, he grabs his sapling and up he goes, well he's 13 stone and about 6 or 2 I uh, I wasn't positive about this tree root system, I got up on a branch, I was 6 foot up sitting on a branch in this tree, anyway Tap goes up this ruddy sapling and of course within a Oh, probably two feet, he's uh, groping around in the leaves on the <laughs> top like that, the boar's right at the bottom of the sapling. And uh, anyway, gravity took over, so Tap's got his uh, feet up under his armpits, and his <laughs> eyes are out on stalks, and he's being lowered very slowly onto this boar, uh, who was watching in great delight because he was about to shred him. Anyway, uh, Tap had one more ace up his sleeve. As he went down and down and down, I thought, oh, my. God, how am I going to explain this to his bloody mother? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bang, out come the feet. He drop kicked off this boar's forehead, <laughs> did a backward dive into the creek and disappeared. Uh, there's the akubra just <laughs> right on the top and a few bubbles. And the boar shook its head, walked up to the edge of the bank, so it's looking down at these bubbles in the creek. And I'm looking over the top of the boar like this from from my safe (laughs) perch up in the tree. Anyway, after about three hours, Tap finally comes up. (laughs) And he's about 18 inches from this boar's nose. They're nose to nose, 18 inches apart. And I just heard him, uh, well, you know what word he used. He just disappeared back (laughs) (laughs) underwater. So, uh, radio, I got me by, I had a, a... very long rico, So I started jabbing this boar in the back and told him, give him a break, give him a break. And uh, anyway, the boar slid off about 10 paces and thought, right, I'll wait for him here. And uh, finally, Tap comes up a second time. He's a coob sunk by then. Behind. And uh, anyway, where's me bow? I said, it's on the bank here. The boar was standing on the bow when he was looking at it. <laughs> Tap's hand comes over the bank like a bloody snake and finds his bow and down and it give us another arrow, and drops down. And, uh, anyway, came to full draw while he was still hidden behind the bank, went up, and we finally got it. Yeah, beautiful 29-pointer. Oh, but, uh, yeah, I'd have loved to got that on video. We could have both already been... Uh, living off the proceeds. <laughs> I, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Yeah, he just drop kicked straight on this boar's forehead with both feet and oh. dived backwards into the creek. It was his only way out. Yeah.
2: They were pretty skinny and athletic in that day. Oh, yeah, yeah. There w- weren't
0: a lot of fat on them.
2: Yeah, But, uh,
0: no, that was magic. That's just, yeah, one of the many things I've seen, buddy. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the, the cream of <laughs> that the that crop as unreal. far as...
2: So, it, yeah, so the actual yeah. killing of the pig, Dave, that wasn't the no, highlight of no, everything was, about that that it. Even, that hardly even got mentioned. No, <laughs> that's right. No, and that's that's what bow it. see all the, all the other experiences yeah. of being out there. I just want to say something about uh, the first time I was just thinking about it. Then first time I met Dave. I was um, about
1: to ask this question, actually. Yeah, well,
2: and Dave might not remember it, but I more remember meeting uh, uh, Tap and Slosh at the... Uh, I went up, there was a bus later that went from that Southern Riverina club, and the ABA National Safari was at the Grange in Brisbane. Anyhow, uh, we were we were pretty bloody well mannered. The Bundy boys there, <laughs> and the, the Bundy boys had what they used to call the Bundy parties, and yeah. the, there was a contest. So they'd get to the they show up in a bus, mm. they'd all get up in a tree, they'd all get up in the tree drinking their bottles of rum, and the last one to fall out was the winner. They had to yeah. shoot the next day. <laughs> so this is this is a fact. We're yeah. pretty sedate bloody southern boys in our bloody winter gear, and up we get up there, and these blokes in a pair of little black shorts and a t-shirt and and thongs oh, really? and climbed up in these trees and that and, but I remember a couple of things about that, um, Dave, uh, the two, uh, Solaris seniors, uh, probably Billy Ware and a few others, mm. they were all camped, I remember you used to go for a leak, and there was this rowdy bunch sort of rough looking bunch just where you went into the men's toilets camp there and it was the Tully boys and, uh, I didn't sort of have much to do with them then, but I remember going over to the trophy display. And uh, there's these three photos, and I'd done I'd done the awards in Tully a few years ago, and I got John, Sol- uh, I got uh, Pete Solaris up, and I said, Pete, this was my first image of you guys. There was these three black and white photos, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen them now, but there's three pictures of a really good solid bore up in that bloody uh, uh, gulf or uh, you know, the, you know, the pictures. River, yeah, honestly. so where's is that? Inside that in the gulf or in the Cape or?
0: Ah, uh, well it's. Inland from Laura, yeah, yep. Mid, yep. Mid, middle of okay. the base of the cape. So, yeah.
2: Yep. yeah, so there's these these two guys, nearly dead ringers. Got the biggest black bushy beards, pair of black shorts, a pair of thongs, and a singlet or a t shirt or whatever. And um, both got longbows or recurs And uh, this pig's getting shot. And, the, and I don't know whether you took the who took the black and white photos, but there's three of these photos in a sequence, and the last one is when you were describing that skinny tree with yep. either tap or bloody slosh up it. The last photo is one of those skinny guys as skinny as the tree right up at the top of the tree with his knees under his bloody chin and this boar <laughs> at the base of the tree Mate, the three most incredible photos and i thought this is the sort of bow hunting i want to do yeah, um, yeah. unfortunately yeah, yeah. later on i got my wish because i remember a year or so later i was hunting with john ursham and richard snape in the marshes and um i've actually got a photo in the album black and white photo i got a and this the other thing i was going to say this Back in those early days, people won't believe it, but you could not get access to camouflage gear in Australia. You didn't yeah, hunt. You no, no. didn't hunt with any camo gear yeah. at all. But there's a photo in my album, a black and white one, that Richard took. And I shot this boar, and John Ursham was just back from behind me. Anyhow, when I shot it, was in the cane grass, and I shot it close because I'd, I'd already hit it and it went in there with Chompenitz tusks. Mm. I walked in sort of to two yards, and John's my back up. <laughs> so I give it another hour, I go, whack. And we're up to our knees in water. I go, whacked like this, hit it, and instead of it running away, it's come through the little bit of cane grass. Hero Dave turns to run. John earthman got, they has got... They had the Archery Action Magazine at the time. They're trying yeah. this brand-new Carroll's Compound just being sent over from America. Yeah. One of the first compound... Not the first, but one of the first. You know, I turn to run, knock the compound into John's hand. I'm on my back, up to my neck in water, in the cane grass, the pig's between my legs. I've got my hand underneath its chin. Um, John... You can see the photo. You can see the line across my shoulder and just down across my sort of my right breast. That's the only part of me that was dry. The rest <laughs> of underwater, and I got this pig by the jaw, and John's trying to push it off, and then he raced back out back out of the swamp, gets a stick because I'm on top of his compound <laughs> bow. My bow's disappeared somewhere. Comes back with this massive great stick and just bashes it off. The <laughs> and then not end up killing it, but. Mate, yeah, so I got my wish, not like I wanted to, <laughs> but all of a sudden this pig was on top of me a year later, so, oh, that's but I'm, unfortunately I've had three or four of them, I try and, as I've got older, um, you know, and I won't go into it now, but I've had three or four other stories like that, around that age, when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, where you tend to take a little bit more yeah. risk, but as I've got older, I sort of yeah. think about now where I am when I'm going to stick an arrow in a pig. Four being yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I had three or four of those occasions, but I'll... It's one of the things that i mentioned when i had the tully awards and i was doing the presentations i said to uh i slid to slosh you blokes really sort of embedded that sort of hunting in my mind mm. um, and what everyone's got to remember you know 1978 40 years ago mm. you didn't have access to everything you've got now Incredible. the only yeah. thing you got was the old outdoors magazine uh, and the sporting shooter and the archery action yeah. they were your only networking of knowing what's going on in the yeah. world in terms yeah. of bowling in Australia yeah. and to go to this 78 safari and see these sort of photos there of these, you know, these wild looking bushmen from Tully with these pigs chasing them and uh, and that's one thing I'll give Dave Kubel and a lot of the guys I've always been into my photography I yeah. love it yeah not in a high-tech way but just spending the time to get the good quality photos and that but Dave Kubel and his particularly Dave though um, has always taken a brilliant photo, yeah. Always taken a brilliant photo, and to me, it's a huge part of the sport, yeah. Um, and I run into so many guys that say, Oh, you know, I've shot a lot of game, and, I wish, and it's and fair enough, it's bragging, it's bragging, I don't really care, but it's memories to me, yeah, and definitely. the people you hunt with. But they all say, Oh, geez, you know, I was too busy hunting to worry about getting photos, just wanted but to go to the next one, yeah, yeah just, one. I just wanted to go to the yeah, next one, yeah. But anyhow, that's just me, I like the photos, and some of those oldest photos I've got. Of myself and my mates, I love looking back at them yeah. now. Not necessarily any record or yeah. trophy class animals, just the memory of the hunt. Yeah. And I know my good mate Manuel just quite often says, and I used it looked at Shane DePell's photo album there last night. That's but mate, incredible. Yeah. Well, I've probably got one. You know, that has got another. Yeah. Another <laughs> fifty pages on that. Like. Yeah. A, that is just. Yeah. And every one of those, Manuel used to always say to me, I could tell a story off every photo, every photo in my album. I could I could tell a story. I think, yeah. and will say, how can you remember all this shit? Yeah. I say because it means so much to me. Yeah, you know. And once again, it's not necessarily the kill those photos. Tell a story. Those f- photos trigger a memory for me.
1: Yep.
2: And I'm sure. And occasionally, I will look at someone else's album that I hadn't seen for ten years or something. Yeah. And they've got a picture of us in there that I haven't got a copy of, and that triggers a memory back to me. So, you do know.
1: You, do you think that's lacking now?
2: I think we're a bit uh, with with Facebook and that. Uh, like I still show my appreciation. I the reason I got onto Facebook was to keep in contact with some good mates, For sure. but also to look at some of the photos and the quality game. But I think we're almost saturated with it. That people, mm. and this is why I say, come back to the traditional bow hunting. Come back and people get that saturated or so blasé about. Oh, yeah, you know, he shot a 30-point bore, he shot a 40-inch gate. They can get really blasé about it because we've got a saturation point with it. Yeah, it
1: just seems to be nothing now. Yeah, nothing.
2: But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, I talk about my mate, Adam Greentree. You know, he gets a few critics here and there for different things. But at the end of the day, of all the guys I know... And I guess I was a bit like it when I was younger and we talk about my mm-hmm. Death March name, but mm-hmm. of all the guys I know, and I hunted with Adam when he was 16, 17 years yeah. old and hunted yeah. with him for a few years. I remember but the stories. Yeah, well I, yeah them. well, I can tell you of all the guys I know, Adam is up an hour before everyone mm-hmm. and he's back in camp two hours after everyone. And yeah. we don't hunt light, you know what I mean? We yeah. go all day.
1: You're the third person to tell me that this weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, you know, the if, if you're... You know, it's fine to be critical of people but you really got to understand you really got to understand that these trophies don't come and i'm not saying people on social media in any way i'm not saying that they sit in their armchair and make judgments or look at animals but i think sometimes they don't appreciate the effort um you know to get that trophy yeah as i said well i've got these two turkeys in a month um i hunted on that place place in new zealand two thousand acres um, I shot a turkey the first day, and it was a hen. And I wanted to get a gobbler or a tom. I hunted for the full day, passed up a heap more hens. Well, when I say passed up, I didn't really get in the bow range. Like yeah. they're, they're pretty bloody hard to get near. 35, 40 yards. I'd get to that, and wouldn't, wouldn't, and I couldn't find a decent tom anyhow. So we got one the next day. But I hunted daylight till dark for two days. So I got my hen first. So that was my first turkey on the ground the first day. But the the second day, and mate, that New Zealand country, even the North Island, um, you know, they're not small hills. No. And just walked them all day um, to get two turkeys. And it's fine to put a photo there and say, here's my two turkeys. But that's, you know, that's 24 hours in two days in the bush, walking the mountains. And mate, at the end of the day, the turkeys were great to get, but everything else I seen on that day was outstanding. Yeah. You know, the country and uh, yeah, just, just absolutely outstanding. So all I say to people, you see this stuff on social media. It's probably a long answer to your question, but not you see all. this stuff on social media, and it's saturation point. Still appreciate that sometimes you can get, as you said, uh, tap got out of the car, and there's a bloody boar walk past oh, the Oh, you, yeah. yeah. you, you get them. lucky. It can happen. You get lucky. You take them. Take them. That's Definitely. well said. Mm. So you get lucky, but you can have you can have um, times where you you're trying to selectively hunt something, and you can put a week in and not get that animal. Yeah. But you've still got to enjoy it and when someone does get it, you've really got to appreciate that maybe there was a big effort in getting that.
1: I wanna ask both of you this question and you can answer it together or separately. Dave, you said before there was you know, you've seen a lot of people come and go. They come in, they chase a trophy, they get halfway there, they get them all and they're gone again. You guys, you know, looking at yesterday, we had the, the wars yesterday and you know, something that I haven't seen in our sport, you know, you guys have come in, like there's cuddles, there's handshakes, there's, you know, um, appreciated to everyone's partners, all this kind of stuff. Like you guys have actually got like a serious bond and you live opposite mm. ends of oh, the country. Yeah, yeah. What has made you guys do what you do and stay together versus the guys that have come and gone?
0: I think it's, um, well, bow hunting has uh, got a lot of facets that he uh, to it to start with for me. But the fri- uh, out of everything, the friendship of the guys that I've met. And, uh, yeah, well, Dave just said, you know, well, we met basically when, uh, well, we won't count the, the shoot, but when Trophy Taker started, that was it. And, yep. uh, so that was 86. Yeah, uh, 86. Yeah. So, I, you know, that's sort of a, there's a brotherhood there to start with. Yeah. And uh, we've seen a few go, and we've seen the new ones coming through, just yep. getting better and better and better, and they're rewriting the whole bloody thing no. Yeah, yeah as well but like the the love i've had for the whole thing is as i said it's got a lot of facets with me A you well you got canoeing you got photography um four-wheel driving bushwalking yep uh learning Sh- to camp properly Shits and, and, and the campfires yeah, yeah, no, the campfire and yards and the campfire, yards. It, the campfire yeah, is the best thing. there's yep. all that and then i've sort of thrown in uh I loved making the string, so I ended up as a string maker for a the time. Then I wanted to get to make really good arrows, and I made bows. So, And I made knives, and that's all throw-offs from bow hunting. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's kept me uh, well and truly going. And the photography, as I said, well, when we did the Mitchell River canoe trip, uh, we put our photos in at the... Uh, local Tully show that year. Yeah. We got first, second, third black white, first, second, third colour, first, <laughs> second, third <laughs> slides. They so you, know so you should. Yeah. Or, or your yeah. photos are yeah, your photos outstanding. Yeah. Um, th- that was from the, the whole group. Like yeah. We just picked out the what we figured were the best and, uh, yeah, we we creamed the, the photography side of it.
2: And the other thing, can I ask you, Dave, when you've done those, because um, uh, I want to go on with this, but when you've done those... Um, Tully River or the Mitchell River trips, was there any blues or was it generally pretty good? Mm-hmm. Or oh, there was the odd one, but okay. Uh, no, I'll, no. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll give you a, g- a good good example, yeah. Um, like I come up with that, I bought the canoe in 72, so and yep. deliverance, I think, had just about come out then. And the canoe <laughs> and a bow, I thought, right, we've got to find a river to go down. Yeah. This is really, so I'd met and uh, I would have mentioned at the slosh, and uh, as we got the club going, because I always say I started, I said I'd done, I was an acorn that fell on some very fertile soil. Yeah. And uh, it grew. Anyway, uh, we um, I said we've got to get this flip and uh, do a canoe trip, and I picked out the Mitchell River. We decided that was it. Yeah. But he, and uh, we did that. Okay, it was t- 11 of us, right? We were on yeah. the water for 21 days. Yeah. We did 200 miles down there. There was never one blue. Yeah, that's incredible. Not one, lardy. God rest his soul. He he could be a little bit iffy, but there was no blue, There was no argument. Yep. Nothing. Anyway, uh, several years ago now, or several years after that, uh, I did a trip down with the Gladstone guys, and uh, they'd invite. And there was eight of us, and oh God, I'm not even going to use the language I'd like <laughs> to as as to describe that
2: trip. Yep. Yeah, so Dave, they run uh, yeah. it for the wrong reason, though. Yeah. I was just yeah. about to say I that. Don't I don't know what, what it was, what was the yeah. difference? which I'll cover in a minute, but I'll let Dave yeah. go on. Yeah.
0: No, uh, um mate phoned me up, Paul, and he said, Oh, you know, you've done it. Uh, do you want to come up, blah, blah. And I said, Oh, yeah. But he uh, took, dragged me canoe up there. And uh, like, just at the very beginning of the trip, they suddenly said, Oh, uh, you have to bring your own breakfast. I thought, Well, thanks for telling me that. He now. said he'd bought all the gear. Yeah, we were sitting there ready to launch the canoes. So it didn't get off to a really good start there and then it just got worse and worse and worse from then on because I only knew Paul, I only knew two of the guys there. We ended up with a split camp, two canoes there and uh, yeah, two canoes here and oh, it was horrible and I can remember we were pulling out and we only did, uh, what was it, a 10 day trip I think, if that. Hope well, it seemed like eternity, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I couldn't get on with the guy I had in the front of mine, and anyway, we were standing on the bank, we were just loading the last of the stuff on, and it had nearly come a, f- a fist fight then. And uh, he said, "And I said, Christ, I said, "We were halfway through our trip when I got in." He said, jeez, I bet you had some bloody blues then." And I just looked him straight in the face. I said, "We didn't have a single blue, mate." Yeah, and that was the, the difference, difference between going with guys, you know. And, uh, yeah, I would never do another canoe trip unless I knew him. Like, I could walk around Mount Everest with Dave. I could cross the Alps with Ben. And Ballard and Ando, those sort of guys. Yeah, all those guys, Slosh, Tap, this, that, and the other. Mm. We never had any blues whatsoever. Yeah. So can uh, we fast forward to 40
2: years? We've just done the bloody 12 of us. Yeah. And I'd only met, I think I knew eight of those guys. Fast forward 40 years or 30-odd years, Dave, we've just done this Stuart Island trip for eight or nine days, and um, you talked to any of those guys, there was not a crossword yep. for the whole time we were together. Yep. Not a crossword. Now, if I'm still around in 20 years, I could run into some of those guys like, um, yeah. you know, that I hadn't met before that trip and it'd be probably a hug and a shake hands and, yep. and that sort of thing, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think, and if I could just even use trophy takers as an example, it's a funny thing with trophy takers. We have certain people come in, not many, but certain people come in and you know they've joined us for the wrong reasons. Yep. Ian Fenton has quite often said that we, we sometimes give that persona that we're a boys' club, yeah. and it's a thing we've worked the hardest not, not to be to a give. boys' club. You know, 30 years on the, the Australian bowhunting scene, we've wanted to promote that trophy bowhunting, but the hugs and the handshakes and, you know, shed a tear when a mate dies and all yeah, that sort of thing. Sure. But one of the things I'm proud about, when we formed Trophy Takers 1986, Apart from the guys that have passed away, and we do shed a tear when that happens, you know, yep. that's how close we are. Apart from those guys that have passed away, that nucleus is still there. Yeah. Because they're all the people that are in the sport for the right reason. And, mate, I'm not saying there's not another 5,000 people out there that bow don't um, that are probably also in it for that reason. But to answer your question, you know how tugs and kisses or whatever to their partners and all that, yep. like Doug DePell and Alan Koenigan, uh And they're um, wise. They're the guys with Tom Hills who was sick this week and couldn't make it. But they're the guys that nurtured me into uh, organized bow hunting 40 years ago and were a big part of my life for 10 years. Why wouldn't you give them a hug and a kiss? And you know the sort of people they are. But also I think you can read it it pretty quick with people. If they're there just for, well, I'm here, what are you going to give me? What's trophy takers going to give me? Gotcha. Mm. You know, if they're there, that sort of attitude, it's probably not gonna last for them. Yeah. Um, if you're just there, come along to one of our awards and appreciate it for what it is and appreciate the people and, and know you've got that common interest and it's you know, I've and I'm I'm happy to say it here on this talk, you know, in thirty years I've had you know, I've probably had twenty twenty to thirty different directors work with me yep. on trophy takers you put Ben Soleris and the two Southful boys mate they've done as much as anything for younger guys in bow hunting in australia there's absolutely no ego with them no you know and the work we do together i've just stepped down as you know as chairman of trophy days last yep. year after 29 years but uh, t- and I'm, i've stayed on just as an associate director and given a bit of senior advice but the work that these guys do and if one bit I was telling people last night if one of the guys is a bit flat out, if Ben's a bit caught up or if uh, Paul South was a bit caught up, and we put out quite a good newsletter a thirty page yep. newsletter two or three times a year, big job, all in busy you know we 're all in busy jobs, yeah for sure mate they just cover one another i 've never heard any bitching or anything they just get the job done, put the newsletter out all voluntarily, and as I said, no egos, which just to me is so so important yep. but if uh, you show up to a bowhunting camp and say I'm here, what are you here to do for? Me? What am I here? What are you going to do for me? Um, unfortunately, that you know the hugs and kisses aren't going to come yeah. ten years mm, down the track. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I like it was just yesterday, and and uh, Nick Peterson, a, a mate of mine, has come down. And he's sitting right here, and he's the heater man. He's putting on a fake fire for us because <laughs> <laughs> they're freezing down here <laughs> in Bathurst. But you know. Like I'm not sure if you knew Dave. Obviously, you and I met first time yesterday. Kind of knew little background stories of each other. Yeah. Cable, um, you know, exactly the same story. If you didn't know, Max, it was the first time I'd met Max and Lee Craig last night. Okay. Yep. So yep. I've never met the boys before. I've always looked after us, watched DVDs, read magazines. We left last night at one o'clock when we got kicked out of the RSL. And like that's,
2: it, that's it a tra- that's a trophy taker trait. Yep. Yeah. 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 Really apparently, apparently I'm <laughs> straight in. So I'm initiated <laughs> yeah, apparently. Right.
1: But, yeah. Um, but all well-behaved, um, but it was like, seriously, it was like, I've known the guys 15 years. Mm, that's how it works. Was, you know, and it was yeah. like, you guys were saying it before, when you've got those right people coming in and you've got a love of something you can talk about and some of the stuff we didn't realize how close we were in certain area, er- you know, in certain ways and who we knew and all this yep. and we just non-stop talked and then we jump back in the, you know, we come back around to Ian's today and it's, it just carries straight back on. There's no yeah. effort whatsoever. Um, and we're already lining up trips up north and out yeah. west and everything already. Yeah. Um, I feel that that's where, in all honesty, you know, a lot of it has been lost. And I, I want to jump down a little bit of a club line because I know all, a lot of the clubs that are struggling these days. Um, I have to say it like 3D, AAA has lost its... Uh, personally, and people probably hate me saying this, but it doesn't have what it used to have. And I was only saying to someone today, like my membership number is two fifty eight. You're telling me, and I remember right. those early yep.
2: days. You know, the it was the, just so totally different. Oh, I, don't, I know mate, what it was. Great and times. You yeah. know,
1: whether people are busy now and maybe pick and choose of you know what they've got to attend and those kind of things, yeah. or trying to go for a hunt. What has been, and and Keeble, you could be a mm. good one for this as well. What's kept that club bond? Because I know mates can be mates, but then when it becomes a club, it can that can change? That you know sometimes those pressures really can affect things. What do you think has been the the glue um, to to keep that together?
0: Oh, well I know the Tully. I, I I think clubs they just seem to naturally split when they get to a certain number. Yeah, in them Tully. See when we were. Uh, full-on in the early days there was only probably 15 of us in the club with a a few guys that used to come bow hunting with us but the the core was 12 maybe 15 guys that was it and yep. we all hunted with each other depending who had the time off uh you did tend to hunt with like i hunted with slosh well i actually hunted more with tap than mm-hmm. i did with slosh but um then uh, the Tully Club, yeah, just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and we got all our uh, – we didn't even have a range to start with. We just had the barracks as a headquarters. But then we finally uh, – I'll give John Tightsall his credit. He came back once, and he said, right, what do we got to do? And I said, well, we need some land, really, to get a thing. So he ha- he came back at dinner. He was in at breakfast time, come back at dinner time, and said, i got the land. I thought, oh, <laughs> <Back turkey. away. laughs> oh He was a doer. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, you know, I've got a bit of time for one side of them, and oh uh, well, we won't go anywhere. Um, anyway, we got the club up and running there, and then we moved into town when we we lost that bit of land because they wanted to subdivide it, and moved into town. The council backed us to the hilt. We we're always lucky with our council. Kay. Yeah, we got on really well with them. Yeah, and the the whole club did. Uh, yeah, I'll just divert off a little bit. Go when for it. we went to do the Mitchell River. We walked into the first shop. We said, Look, we're looking for sponsors and this, that, and the other. And we need a bit of food and this, that, and the other. And they just, uh, within two shops, they just gave us everything. Just said, What do you want? And oh, yeah. that was it. When we put a shoot on, uh, it's the third or the fourth North yeah the club was up and running quite well we went to the pub and said look we've only got <laughs> we had $13 in the <laughs> bank and we put on a North Queensland Championship <laughs> shirt. but we did it, we pulled it off yeah. the council gave us a park uh, Yeah, well, sorry I'm digressing here. Yeah. but we went to the pub and he said look we haven't got any money for the beer now but we will be selling it and then we'll buy it and he said look mate take a pallet I'll take back every full carton that's on it, you just use what you want and that's the way the tone backed us. So we were lucky there. And uh, But then the, when we finally got this beautiful clubhouse, which was the concrete mob gave us all free concrete that was left in the trucks from jobs. Yep. Uh, we got the shed for nothing. We had to dismantle it up at early and bring it down. This was up a bit after I'd left. Uh, and they got it, but then the club was up to 60 or 70, and then it just did what all other clubs there, split down the middle, and one guy, I think there was egos involved and a mm-hmm. bit of backstab. Yeah, I I don't know the exact story, but it seemed... Good. But that story is uh, so common. It is. Cairns split, and then one of the clubs that split off split again. They had three clubs there at one stage, and uh, it seems to be, yeah, once they get to about 60 members, unless you've got a really good president that can hold it all together yeah. but they you tend to have these egos and yeah it was the same as that bloody second canoe trip I went on you know it just went went yeah, psh- t- it was in two halves yeah. and uh yeah it was them and us
2: so so Dave. my my answer on that is what I've yeah. touched on a couple of times it's attitude don't come to a club you're not going to change this really mm-hmm. you know I cannot can you think of any real disharmony in trophy takes in 30 years Dave no, I cannot no, really No, nothing. don't come to a club. Don't come to a club with – like, we've got all our rules and fair chase and all that out there. Don't yep. come to a club and expect it to be something that you're going to get something out of. Yep. We're a rating service. First of all, we're a rating service. So yep. we can provide that service to anyone any time. They pay that. We can call it membership or we can call it a rating fee, yep. whatever you want to call. So we have blokes that are really you know, top bonus in Australia. They might be a member for one year. They've shot a big buff or Whatever you know, they join that year. Yep. Five years later, they shoot a big red and want to re-rate with us. Yep. We don't take that to heart. We're a rating service. That's <clears throat> that was what we were initially formed for. And Ian Fent, when we first started, he said, "Maintain that line." Yep. You've got your rules. Maintain that line, and I'm proud to say that I've Keep I've that kept line. that line. Thirty years down the track, we've still got that line. I've got no doubt that um, as I step aside, Mark South will <coughs> excuse me, Mark South, Paul South will Benny Solaris and the rest of the committee will maintain that line because it's a working formula for us. You know, I don't know our numbers at the moment. Um, we've, we've probably had seven or 800 bu- active bow hunters over, over 30 years. Our numbers are probably 150 members. Mm. And there's so no problem. There's no problems. I, I really, you know, you have the odd little thing you've got to address and we do it very tactfully.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah you have the odd little thing you've got to address, but... Um, I think it's all about attitude, our attitude as the directors of trophy takers, but also the attitude of people that come in. If if they come in, and as I said, the last thing I want is a boys' club. I really don't. It hurts when I hear people say that. Um, I don't care if there's a 1,000 members as long as we're all uh, like-minded. And so if we come in with the attitude that I'm in trophy takers I'm going to get plenty out of it because, you know, I met you yesterday, Craig. Yep. Uh, I met Nick. You come up to the Trophy Taker's Do. Where was that at? Urella. Uh, Urella. Do you remember arriving there and we had a yarn to you? Did you make, Were you made food welcome straight away? Like, that was a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, do you remember arriving? Did What sort of feelings did you leave there with? Like, yeah, yeah no, sorry, sorry.
0: No, it was good. Everyone just welcomed me, like, come over and started talking, like, you knew him for 30 years. Like, you couldn't fold it at all. Like, yeah. Just, the atmosphere was just awesome. There's no, yeah, just. No perfect. egos. No, nothing. Like, everyone's friendly. Help you through, like yeah, you couldn't really really fold it anyway at all. Like, yeah, it's just awesome.
2: No, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the point there is and you, you sort of reiterated that, Craig, you met these guys last night for the first time. Yep. And straight away, like as soon as I um uh was you make Dane, when it yourself and Dane come up there, you can sort of tell straight away, they've just got that common interest. They don't sort of arrive and say, We're here, what can you do for us sort of mm. thing? Yep. Um I done a write up as outgoing chairman in our last newsletter. Mm. Oh, and I read it. Yeah, I read yeah, it. Yeah, one of the, one of the things I said that I'm proudest of in that 30 years was prior to social media and that was our networking system. A lot of the listeners might remember a fellow called Mick Barrett. Mm-hmm. Now Mick Barrett was a fairly famous bow hunter up in the Northern Territory. Still does a bit. Mark Ballard introduced him to the sport of bowing initially, but Mick came down to a couple of the Trophy taker dudes down south. Actually, lived down south for a while, but he met a lot of our members, mm. a lot of those guys hadn't hunted buffalo or hunted boar. Yep. Mick Barrett gets back up there, and I can think of Gary Piper and other blokes mm. in isolated spots. I do it now with Ben Chambers. All yep. through, you know, hunting over Western. and that. Yeah, one of my proudest things with trophy takers is the networking that occurred twenty, thirty, or 20, 25 years ago. Yep. And most of those guys, that goes back to your question before, most of those guys now are absolute lifelong friends. Yep. I rung Mick Barrett... One of the guys, I think it was Benny Chambers, wanted to go up and see him there a couple of years ago. I hadn't talked to Mick Barrett for 10 years. Yep. Good friend, rang him up, we talked for half an hour, yep. and it was like we talked yesterday. Yeah, mm. yep. and that's, that's, a the, that's the big difference. That's the big difference. Yeah, so there's plenty of... You know, and I'm a passionate guy, and yeah, all bloody, I think I just about turned a tear yesterday when they bloody uh, um, played the bloody... Um, what do you call it? For the Soldiers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a passionate guy. and I was so... Called a minute silence. Yeah, the minute silence. I've sol-
1: never seen Arisol do that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I used to work the Arisol and yeah, yeah. Kuma. We used to do it every night. Yeah, that was good. Cool. Yeah,
2: and it it is a great thing. But what I'm going to say is, I'm a passionate guy, and I love to see that interaction with people where they're they're good for one another. Yeah. And if we're doing that for thirty years, we're not doing much wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, talking about passion and and this go for both you guys and yeah. and you know I'm hoping sort of this will keep you driving and keep you going. You know. Keeble, we can see the, the the passion in in the way you speak about your trips with your mates. Mm. You know, it does it oozes out of you. You know this. You know the stuff you're building, Dave. You're writing photography. You know the passion in that really it does come out. And probably what I ask a lot of other people do, you know, especially the younger crew coming out, is is get back. This is probably going to give Ian Fenton with the museum a bit of a, a bit of a boost as well. And if anybody can come to Bathurst support this because it's incredible. Like it is. It's a shed yeah. in his backyard, and I've. I did not know it existed and there's stuff yeah. in there that I didn't know was possible. Um is understand where all this has come from and maybe have a little bit more respect for the guys that started it. And that was a big reason that I came because I knew what you guys were, you know, going into inducted and this all come from Benny Solaris, you know, when we well, I did a podcast with him yep. sometime <coughs> last year and he was very, very passionate about it. He said, Oh, I'm frustrated I can't get down there, I'm frustrated I can't do more to get people to know more about it um my biggest thing was to them, you know respect to yours and, and thank for the inspiration that i got from for one of the stuff that i read and the whole magazines my my old man's got piles of them. like yeah. just literally i'm not even sure where they are now but i've read them and that's what's helped me and you know i asked you know a question i've got for both of you and and if you can answer this individually what do you want to see happen moving forward from now and as you know you've just stepped down from chairman dave and and keble you know you being in the club, you're still very, obviously heavily involved in bow hunting in general, but what do you guys want to see really continue and and, and obviously at the same time, you know, continue to grow? You go first, Dave, yeah. or
0: oh, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, well, uh, we're sort of on the verge of amalgamating with TAA as a, a joint entity. That's triple,
2: tri- traditional, traditional
0: archery. Yeah, traditional archery Australia. I'd like to see that branch get up. It seems to be... Uh, I will not say go on busted, but their membership has jumped yep. up uh, that would be interesting um, yeah I hope we never get uh, outlawed by the government yep. for hunting That's so what what can we do
1: in, in your eyes from your history what you've done seen mm. obviously happen what's the number one thing that we can do as our young, as young, younger guys moving forward to take over you know what you've got us have started like what's the number one thing that we can keep in front of mind
2: Oh, well, good. Well, my answer to that first... <laughs> yeah. My answer first... Excuse me with a frog my throat, but <clears> throat> my answer to that first is enjoy the sport first. Yeah. Enjoy it. Um, so if you do that, then do the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I remember when Mark Ballard had the magazine. he came come to me. It was 20 years ago. So it was my 40th birthday. I was living in Wellington. And he said, I'm in with these politicians, Brown and all that. He said, I want you to get you on the board to fight... To save our sport. This is 20 years ago. Yeah. And then Mark, one of my very best friends. I said, Mark, I said, I'm not going to get involved. I said, I'm going to do it my way with trophy takers. Yep. I'm going to make sure we do it. We only hunt feral animals. Yep. We do it right. Do it the right way. We hunt those feral animals. Um. We're not going around bloody, uh, you know, doing the wrong thing by outside of our code of ethics. Yeah. So. So do the right thing. I said, you might be creaky with me for not saying jumping on that board or doing this. And, and Ian's tried to get me onto a few things. And I've mm-hmm. said, well, I want to still enjoy my life as a bow hunter. That's my first priority. But I want to see the sport. I want to see the sport survive. Yep. So first of all, I'm saying to people, just come in and into it and enjoy it. Just do your own thing. Do it Do it responsibly. Um, a very, very famous early bow in Australia, bloke called Dallas Conway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know i hope people don't take this the wrong way but dallas conway and i remember one of his sort of Blake that he, john hillier these sort of uh, john was a young kid around him when they were sort of when john was and john's passed on now but dallas used to always say in bow hunting there's things you talk about and in bow hunting there's things you don't talk about every now and then it might be rare but every now and then something occasionally something goes wrong mm. Mate, just think about everything you're putting on social media. That's a big just, one. Yeah, great. just yeah, think yeah. about everything you're putting on social media. Mate, I talked about my illness when I was a young bloke and that. I'd hate to think in 30, 40 years' time, there's a, there's a young Dave Whiting out there and hasn't got the sport of archery to take him in that direction. Yep. Health-wise. Yep. Yeah, yep. so, you know, just just think about a future. Even if you're one of these guys that want to come into it for four and five years and bloody um, get everything out of it and then piss off. That's fine if that's Sorry. the way you want to do yeah. it. But the other ch- attitude is come into the sport, rethink how you're into it, and say, well, I'm here for the long haul. I don't need to get all this out of it. What can I put back into it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's that's my advice. Yeah, just enjoy it, though. Yeah. Just enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and uh, I we've got to get to a lot of the youngsters at, uh, and let them know there is life beyond that screen they're holding in their hand and staring at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, get if you can get the children into it, but he, um. Yeah. That's a step in the right direction. But uh yeah. I think Dave sort of summed it up, we've got to lead by example and yeah. uh you know, even if we can get one person in ten that's gonna carry on through. Yeah. And uh, and uh,
2: And the way to yeah. do that is the Koenigans and DePels here. Mm-hmm. All Al Cernigan, one of my best mates, I hunted with back in the seventies and eighties, they yep. took they gave it up him and Doug DePel gave it up and they Went on to chasing brumbies in the uh, snowy mountains yeah, for the right, next yeah, 15 right. years till I got too old, just on horseback and that. So they, they moved away from. But the point I want to make, I can think of three or four families, and I guess even the Solarises are a bit like it. But I look at the Coonigans. Well, there's Al Coonigan and his son Mick Koonigan, a yeah. great hunter on his own him, right.
1: Met him first Nick, time yesterday great well. bow on his
2: own right, mate. Doesn't shoot a lot of game, as in he's selective. He's mm-hmm. just chasing big sand, but He lives in the heart of them. Yep. But he was telling me the other day, he firstly hasn't shot an animal for five to seven years because he's selected, but loves his bow hunting. He does as much walking out the bush as any of it. So there's Mick, there's, there's Alan, there's Mick, and I know the environment they grew up in because I, I knocked around with them when those guys were little kids around me. Um, there's Alan, then there's Mick Coonigan, then Mick's got two sons, uh, Bill and Dan. They are as passionate as I was as a 13-year-old. They're in the 18 and 20s now. So there's the Coonigan family, i have met Shane DePell Shane is as passionate as me or Dave or yeah. you guys. So that family environment of all being out like Roslyn, DePell, Phyllis, Koenigan, all hunted with a bow and arrow. And they grew up in that environment. The families that I really, really promote through trophy takers and that, uh, Lee Payne, yeah. uh, his family in uh, down there near Cooma. Yep. The whole family bow hunts. Mm-hmm. And Lee and Lisa will go out of their way. If the kids want to try and do something okay. in bow hunting, they go out of their way to do that. Uh, Benny, uh, Ben and Jane Chambers mm-hmm. in uh, Western Australia, and I've just been over to New Zealand, and a bloke I hunted with ca- in Canberra 30 years ago. I hadn't seen him for 30 years, mm-hmm. and you talk about mateship, you know, was a hug, and, uh, you know, I hadn't met his wife and hadn't met his two kids. Well, um, that's Darren Swan, He's, mm-hmm. his sister's very famous back in the 80s, uh, Kim Swan, she was a very famous book writer and author yeah, right. and made videos on hunting pigs and that with dogs and all that. Okay, But, but anyhow hadn't seen Darren for 30 years, finally tracked him down, go over there and have four days on the, on the South Island with them. Mate, same thing. His kids, like they, they shoot a pig or whatever, pair it up, put it on their back as the Kiwis do, mm-hmm. carry it out, yep. get some great photos. His kids, um, like I'd done a, I'd done a 11 and a half hour walk with his two children, 14 and 11, uh, with Darren, who's probably around 50 now, I'm not sure. And, uh, Kill me for saying that might be younger, but doesn't look it, he looks about 35. But and his wife, <laughs> good and, save, good save, yeah, good save. But he, <laughs> no, he seriously does. But I spent 11 and a half hours in the bush with those four people two children, um, uh, his wife, uh, Marie, and um, Darren. And I can promise you, in 20 or 30 years' time, I mightn't be here, but I'll promise you that Darren's two kids will still be bow hunting, yeah, no matter where life takes them, or they'll be enjoying what they've done with the bow and arrow. The Chambers kids will still be bow hunting, um, and the Payne kids will still be bow hunting because they've done it the right way. Yeah. They, they're getting some great trophies, but their parents and family have spent that time with them and encouraged them in the right way. Yeah, it's not just the kill with a bow and arrow. It's everything else: the camping, the fishing, the campfire, the cooking, the yeah. photography. Yeah, yeah, it's so the whole works. Yeah, it's the whole works. Yeah, so that's that's what'll save us getting those young people in, but don't straight away. Like, I think in New Zealand at the moment, it's a little bit sad in some ways, and I don't knock them because I think it's one of the greatest hunting countries in the world, but, you know, you've got 10 and 12-year-old kids over there getting master bow hunter Mm. as as, um, 10 and 12-year-olds. You know, if they're driven that way at that age to get those sort of results... They're going to be sick of it. Yeah, they're going to be sick of it, or the challenges will, if they don't realise there's longbows and recurves and all that sort of stuff out there... Mm. Um, and that's in personal makeup. Anyhow, you know some yep. of them will won't get severe because they 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 like to go that way. But there'll be a big drop off. You know yep. a lot of those people, a lot of attrition. I think that's the word. As it goes forward, there'll be a lot of attrition because oh I've done that, I've done that with my compound bow on my sights, and, sites and yep. you know what's left for me. So that's why I'm a bit of a pusher for the the traditional side of it. But as I think I said to you yesterday, and I might have said on this talk already, um, I get up there and do my presentation for trophy takers. The most high-tech compound bow or the uh the the most simplistic self-bow at the end of the day i give that recognition yep. we have junior bow hunter awards we have the infant traditional award we give out so we promote all facets of it yep. and give it all that good recognition someone under one banner yeah all under one banner yeah. yeah yeah all under one banner but my main point is if it's going to survive you need to encourage the people that come in um just to enjoy it. Um, the old Winston Churchill saying, yep. ask not what I could do for, uh, what my country can do for me, but what I can do for my country. Yeah. So that I was a great, do it with their sport. Do it with their sport. Yep. And get out there and bloody enjoy it. Yep, definitely. And, and you're not, as long as you're doing everything legally and ethically, you choose to hunt with a bow and arrow. You should never, ever have to justify why you shot that little goat or why you shot that so called cull animal. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, it's a trophy to you. As long as it's a trophy to you or it's an achievement to you, mm-hmm. don't just kill something for the sake of it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I mean, I, you know, and this comes back to, you know, why we do it and, and respecting, you know, what's been done before us. But, um, people you probably wouldn't know, but I rang ban a few years ago. I got access to a property. Dave's just, uh, going to the loose stop. How old <laughs> we, um, you know, we, um, went up to a property up in, in in the Cape on the Mitchell River and yeah. um and I I knew that Ben and that had done the you know big canoe trip, you know, previously. So I I uh, I, I messaged Ben. I hadn't really spoken to him before that, you know, Benny Solaris and straight up, you know, it's like, yeah, mate, we went straight through there. This is where you want to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Turns out yeah. it was where, you know, Billy Ware and all that, you know, have hunted for oh, you know, yeah. 25 yeah. to thirty years, you know, and, and like when I found that out, it, it, it changed the whole I guess you could say, reason to go and hunt that because it was like, oh my God, Now there's history involved with mm. this place I'm going to now. So I I sort of got a respect for the place. You know, I didn't just go there and just shoot everything I've seen. I actually went there and it's like, you know, guys, this is where, and my dad was with me and I was like, this is where the wares hunted. Like,
0: Oh yeah. You yeah. know, how,
1: how does, I guess you can look back in different places you went and, and, you know, the guys you hunted with, do you still get that feeling when you go and hunt a certain place? Like, do you, Flashback to the memories that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah definitely, yeah, yeah. Somebody got treed there. We, <laughs> I'd love to do another trip down the Mitchell with the lads. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Do a replay on that, and uh, yeah, I hunted a lot with uh well Bill's unfortunately got in uh, home now, but mm. uh, before he went there, I did a lot. Uh, went up, oh, I don't know, four or five times to Rutland Plains with yep. him. Hunted yep. there. And uh, yeah, he actually shooed me the lagoon because he used to hunt with Kev White and he took Kev White to Rutland Plains. He's been going there forever. Yep. Yeah. I can say in all honesty, Bill knows that property better than Mm. any manager that's yep. ever been on there. I can because imagine, we I can probably, yeah. Quite often up there, and the manager would say, Oh, buddy, it's this or that or something like that. And Bill would say, Oh, no, we'll come in the other way. If you go round there and come down, so and so. And he knew every, I think he was on a first name basis for every damn tree on the bloody <laughs> property. <but> <laughs> <laughs> that's what it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. He, he just lived and ate uh, uh, bloody uh, Rutland. Yep. And uh, yeah, we had some uh, really good times there, and barrow fishing. Yeah, uh, the whole lot it's an incredible place. Yeah. Like in
1: that whole area, like yeah. doesn't matter where you're on that Mitchell. Mitchell. That Mitchell yeah. is something special. It's, in that.
0: it's a different river, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I didn't do the Gilbert, unfortunately, I had a bloody uh, steam exam due. Yep. That's when they got back, but I went up and picked them up from there. But the, They said, back in. Uh, yeah, the Mitchell and the, uh, was the, the better river between the Mitchell and the Gilbert. Yep uh as far yeah yeah well when you can you just don't know what's going to be around the next bend that was the, the whole beauty of yeah. the canoe trip and especially back in 78 because that was pretty wild country then it was it's no still way. wild now no, it's wild. Now, <laughs> but you know the last time I went down oh there's one of them big bloody radio masts and there was a camp here and I thought oh yeah uh it wasn't yeah. quite as wild because what it uh, used to be no no and uh like we did it all we had was compass and maps. That yeah, was it. Yeah, so we, you got sat phones
2: go. and bloody yeah. Uh, yeah, well, um, when Ben did it, it yeah. yeah,
0: that was that was one of the things. GPS, GPSs, sat phones, and the whole lot. All we did, we did actually hire a plane in Cairns before we went and flew. Okay. The river. Yep. A bit to have a I think, that, yeah, idea. that was the the girl, But just to get because yeah, when you're below the bank, you you know you can have a massive lot of lagoon. So yeah. yeah, they did go down and. Uh, do that, but um yeah, our little landmark in the middle. The guys had gone up to see how deep the river was at the halfway point, mm-hmm. and they stuck an arrow in a tree right on the water level. Yeah, okay. uh Yeah, and we came round this. Thing. We knew we were coming in close, or tapped did, because he was the one that stuck the arrow in there. And yeah, we went round this bend, and there's the arrow he'd stuck in about a month before. <laughs> and it was, yeah, the water dropped about six inches, yep. so yeah, it was no big dramas. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, as I said, you just didn't know what was going to be around the next corner and it's an incredible the things country. that happened uh, on yeah. that trip. I can remember Gordon, he was a friend of mine. He had the kayak. It was 10 of us in, five Canadians, and he came along in a kayak. And uh, <laughs> He was a city slicker. <laughs> but anyway, he loved it. Yeah, I can remember he came past us, and he went into this little gutter on the side. You know, sometimes then you get a sandbar. Well, we, we're in the Canadian on one side of the sandbar, and he went into this little gutter right beside the bank. And uh, I don't know how long his canoe was, about 12, uh, his kayak was, but the crocodile that he walked went over the top of was exactly the same length. And it was about two foot of water. And this croc didn't know what geez. the hell this thing was. <laughs> so he just exploded out. this kayak went straight up in the air about two foot. <laughs> and this happened, oh, eight foot from me. Oh, yeah. No, we, were, so. we were parallel and we were talking to each other, just said something <laughs> and this bloody gator exploded from underneath him and then went out and crossed the sandbar which was about that deep in front of our Canadian canoe. <laughs> and I oh, laughed. Well, yeah, <laughs> Laugh, didn't and fall yourself, yeah well it like, didn't worry me. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes but, back yeah, to those experiences yeah. though that you're, oh, yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, that the, we nearly pulled a 16-foot flipping sawfish in the canoe in the <laughs> dark. That was that was good. Jeez, that was the first night. And uh, yeah, another thing with Gordon, he he had a shotgun. He used to get a duck every now and again. He'd stand there anyway. I see him wing this duck. I was sitting in camp. The other guys all mucking around off hunting and whatever. And this duck, he winged it, and it took off up the bank. And uh, Gordon dropped his sh- or oh, put his shotgun down. And he tore off after it like that. And he went up the bank, and he was about three meters from the top, and he stopped dead. <laughs> And then he came back down very slowly, <laughs> walking back went, what the hell's he up to there? And he came running over to me and he was a Geordie. Fucking great lizard just ate me duck. <laughs> I said, What? Ate hey, he his duck. Said, yeah. Oh. He said, Fucking great lizard just ate me duck <laughs> 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 oh, I said, oh. So I went over and I walked up and has this the biggest bloody monitor I've oh, ever seen. Goanna. Yeah, Goanna ah. with uh, one feather hanging out the corner of its <laughs> mouth just sitting there with a very satisfied look <laughs> on its face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it must feel, have hit, this duck ran got? straight up into the into the lily <laughs> tree. Thank you, clump. And uh, yeah, stopped Gordon in his tracks. Oh, that's hilarious. But uh, yeah and Oh, he was the entertainment, yeah, he spent one night out up a the tree with an old cow. Bellowing at him underneath. (laughs) Another time, because he used to race ahead and check things out, and then come back in the kayak, and he's sound asleep on top of this, uh, nearly on top of a sandbar that you know, a steep rivery bank. One, he's laying there, and six foot above him is two dingoes standing looking at him. And uh, yeah, we came round the corner. He's sound asleep, like the bank was like that, and he was (laughs) laying there. Like they sound asleep in the sun, getting a suntan, and these two dingoes are just above him. And they're both sitting there just looking at him like that. Oh, we came round in the canoes. You can't buy that stuff. No. Yeah. And we said, oh, you have a bit of company up there. And he wouldn't believe us. And yeah. We took him up there and showed him the tracks. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did not hey, believe us. We said, There's probably
2: like here. it wasn't 15 of them. He might have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah been the dingo distraught.
0: court, that was one thing I remember. Every night, you'd, one would go off with its howl mm-hmm. and then another one and then and then the whole river just erupted Going every off. night with these dingoes all howling yep. and then Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. So I haven't yes, experienced science. that. Yeah. I
0: haven't yeah. experienced that. That was mind blowing.
1: That's crazy. We have I've I've yeah. had that stuff in the like in the hills, but yeah, yeah, you know, not like they just, you know, they get down yeah. in the morning. It's an eerie, on a river because it was. Yeah. In a
0: oh, eerie, I've something. heard the odd one, oh, but, but not like what he's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it just shit. a chorus, it just went up, yeah, right, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're yeah. here, and both directions down the river, and then nothing. It just switched off, and until, um, yeah, they all went hunting for the night.
1: I'm gonna ask you guys a really hard question each, and the hard in the way because you're gonna have to choose something. What is your most memorable hunt? You're only allowed to choose one. It doesn't have to involve, uh, you know, harvesting an animal or anything like that, but one hunt each that, whether it was with the person or whatever, but what is the one hunt when someone asks you, what can you remember? I know it's going to be hard, but what what sticks in your mind when someone says, what's the most memorable moment?
0: Oh, with me, it, it's the Mitchell River. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, that was 21 days on the water with... Yeah, so one of the best the best bunch uh, bunch of blokes uh, you could ever meet. Well, we we used to have a an old fella. Well, <laughs> uh, he was old to us. He was fifty <laughs> years old <Yeah. laughs> so when he joined the club. But he was an ex-commando. Yep. And he worked um, operated behind enemy lines mm-hmm. uh, in the last war. Going up there, he was in the commandos, as I said. And uh, he once oh, I was sitting on the banks of a river with him and Slosh, and he, tur- and he turned around and he turned round. He said, "I would love to had you a lot with me in the last war." Wow! Well, yeah. And you know, yeah, Sosh and I just looked at each other and went, "Wow!" Because he yeah. j- he loved coming for the camaraderie. Yeah. Well, he he uh, he ended up making bows, and he used to hunt. I I did take him out. He did get a little pig once, but it was mainly, yeah. He'd have his green beret on, and <laughs> he just liked being with us because we just went out in the bush yeah. and. Uh, yeah, we enjoyed it, and that was it. And, uh, yeah, I'll never forget when he turned around and said that. Bloody hell. That's a, whole, uh, that's a memory. Yeah, that, yeah, is, that, that was a memory and a half. Yeah. I can't remember what riverbank. I might have been the... No, it wasn't the... It doesn't bulletin. really I matter. Know, it doesn't matter. He t- he turned around and said that to us. And, uh, yeah, because I got a few photos of him around that. Yeah, it was Cliff. That's unreal. But, yeah, well, whenever any of us get together, the Mitchell River just comes up. That's something that I don't think we'll ever top. Yep. You couldn't. That was just... Yeah, well, as I said, 21 days. We went with a bag of flour, a bag of rice. And it's pretty it's legendary,
2: isn't it? Like, everyone knows about that Mitchell River yeah. trip yeah. and the yeah. comradeship of well, the Tully guys. And you well,
1: just you just missed it, Dave, uh, just when you went to the loo then. I I, yeah. I was fortunate enough to, you know, hunt with Billy Ware and that on yeah. Rutland um, yeah. back in 15. And, and, you know, Benny Solaris helped me out with some spots and stuff like mm. that. And when I found out, because Benny's like, mate, that, you do know what you've got there, and I'm like, oh, yeah. not really, mate. Look, I know it's good hunting up there, and he's like, that's like Billy Ware, that's the Tully boys, like that's, yeah. you know, and yeah. that changed it for me. That was just like, okay, I've got to really do this properly now. Like, I've got to, resp- you know, yeah. it was just yeah,
2: give a whole thing. Well, Bill's probably similar age to me, Billy Ware, and uh, um, I. Once again, we had the Tully Awards, and Bill was even a bit crook then with yeah, his... That uh, the yeah, yeah, that was the beginning. Yeah, uh, that was the beginning of it, and I got and Bill, I got Bill, his wife, and. Uh, a couple of his kids, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I remember that yeah, father. Dave, yeah, Dave. Yeah, well, yeah. I got them up there and told everyone the story about, you know, how I used to read in the old bowhunting magazines about mm. Billy Ware and the Tully boys. Yep. And Bill was Townsville for a while, wasn't he? Was, yeah, he
0: was Townsville and then he moved up to Tully. Yeah. yeah. that's Yeah, but that goes back a long time because that's when we put on the third North Queensland Championship. He used to come up on the weekends and then he, he finally okay. turned up with the family, lived with us in the barracks there for yep. uh, some time. Uh, then yeah, got a house in Tully and got into concrete and in yep. there and uh, got the boys established in concrete and as well. And, yeah, uh, yeah, loved his hunting, his fishing. Yeah. He was just you couldn't stop him. He was a bloody dynamo. And uh, yeah, and his son
2: place. now, his son's rattling up some ga- great oh, game yeah, with boat yeah. Aaron. Into it, and yeah. it just doesn't tell anyone about it. Just yeah. goes and it's does it. Just goes, one of them yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, exactly right. A lot of the kiwis are like that too. Yeah. Um, What's yours, mate? I oh, know yours going to be hard. Well. Well, it's funny, I'd done a bow hunters interview in Ballard's uh, magazine back in 99, yep. and I nominated, I said then it was a hard question, but I nominated a uh, particular hunt, but before I tell you about that, and that was a solo hunt by myself, mm-hmm. um, But and I'm probably going to tell you about that's that's still probably it, but um, to go back before about how you said the hugs and all that, I absolutely having a campfire with 20 people around the campfire, but I also love hunting by myself and just doing it my way and all that. But what I was going to say, one of our, you know, and a few of the guys used to ride them, we used to have these deer camps around uh, that mudgy area for uh, probably 15 years. I've heard that, yeah. And, mate, we would have we had, uh, I can think of one particular picture of us, but we would have had 25 people in a camp for two weeks. Yep. Only on... What a thousand acres, mm. or two thousand acres. I had permission on the road across the road as well. Say two thousand acres, um, and we had blokes come and go, like yep. your, your um, Kev Daly's and your your Mick Watts and Pedro Lever and all those sort of guys coming off the South Walls. But we had that nucleus there, and yeah, you know, sometimes it was up to twenty-five in the camp. Um, once again, really can think of no arguments. We all fitted in with one another. And we were happy to see someone else get a result rather than ourselves, and it's a big thing. all that. So. So all those deer camp hunts are right up there for me, right up, because I love that group hunting, and yep. some days you don't even bother going out. You're sitting in camp and have a beer and have a yarn and that. But what I want to tell you about, I, I hunted from 1980. I hunted a place, um, I'll give you a general area, out near Maud in south western New South Wales. Yep. Um, I hunted that, and uh, uh, I remember the first time I went out there with my first wife. We stayed out there for a week, and I think I got something like 83 rabbits and... Couple of foxes and that yeah. sort of stuff. And uh, um, I remember Jenny used to always remind me that one day I didn't take a photo because she got nine rabbits and only got seven or something like this. But <laughs> it was a place, there was a billion rabbits. Or oh, Dave's yeah. been out there, would be a great spot out yeah. there on the river, Dave. Yeah. But a few years, like I hunted that for 15 years probably, and then lost access to it. Yep. And I was working in the Commonwealth Bank at Narandra, only a couple of hundred kilometres from this place and uh, i heard uh, i was the loans officer and i heard one of the girls yell out oh the manager of such and such is coming in to collect a bank check he banked at deniliquin but he was coming into niranda he's coming in to collect a bank check i stuck my head out and i was the property straight away rang a bell yeah. i'd hunted there for 20 <laughs> years and lost permission for different reasons yeah. ding, as ding, in we've done nothing wrong but a change your hands yep anyhow uh i stuck my head out the office and i said and i'll be handing the check yep. so anyhow they said, the manager of such and such, this the next day, the manager of such and such arrived, Dave. I go out, introduce myself, his name was Peter, I said, how you going, Peter? And I said, you might remember me, I said, I've seen you a couple of years ago and asked if I could continue to hunt there, I've been hunting there for 15 years, and you said at the time that, no, nah, you know, he wasn't allowed to give anyone permission and blah, blah. And I said, well, I'm not far from here now, I said, and um, I'm still a bow hunter, and I said, I know you know all my camps, and I know the previous manager gave me all these references and that. I said, I know the Kaleishi virus had just gone through the first time. I said, have you got many rabbits out there? And the bloke, uh, big, big, tall, fit-looking, bloody farmer, stands in his cowboy boots and does a full circle on his heel. He says, rabbits, rabbits. He says, they're the bane of my life. He said, I've got a million rabbits. He said, when are you coming out? I said, on the weekend. <laughs> so, anyhow, so anyhow, Friday afternoon, I packed my gear up. I went out. I was actually going, I had something on, that's right. I was only going out for the day to have a look. So I go out Friday afternoon, I get out there in the dark and I drive in and I park on the riverside of the property and there's never a lot of rabbits there, was there, Dave? There was a few yeah. rabbits there on the yeah. riverside, but so I park on the riverside, so I've got a six-pack of beer, didn't even have ice, I don't think, I had a six-pack of beer and maybe two cans of food, a little bit of water. So I sleep in my car, or sleep on my swagger right next to the car, get up the next morning I think, oh, maybe he's wrong, there's not many rabbits around. So the next morning I get up, drive out onto the highway, cross the highway, and go back into the southern land, back into the sand dune country. Well, uh, in that day, I shot, uh, you know, and this is not about tally hunting, because it was, a, it was the 1,000 shots that I missed was more fun than the rabbits I got, but I got, in, in one day, I got 23 rabbits, I got a fox, um, five feral cats, and a crow, Wow! all in one day. I don't think you meant to shoot crows, but anyhow, they mm. like them shot out there. Yep. Um, Anyhow, I thought, oh, and I was nearly out of Arras, because I'd had them, and it was fairly long grass, but there was just, you know, the the warrants would have a thousand rabbits on them, yeah. but they were fairly open, so it was hard to get into. Anyhow, I thought, I've got no food, I haven't eaten all day, what am I going to do? I don't want to leave here, I want to stay for another day. So anyhow, I drive 30 or 40 k's into a little country town, stay in the pub for the night, have a T-bone steak or whatever, for tea, and then I drive back there and hunt all the next day. Yeah. Just hunting rabbits and flicking arrows. I had no more arrows left. Yeah, and it was it was two days by myself. I was in a stressful job in the bank. Yeah, and mate, I could not have had more fun. I think I remember saying in the article, in the interview, um, I didn't care how many I missed. Like I was trying to get the animals, obviously, or the rabbits, but I didn't care how many missed because I knew the next little sand dune I went over, there was another thousand rabbits there waiting for an opportunity to, to be shot at. But the and just to go on, so that's my answer. That that solo hunt back in '99 or whatever it was, that's my answer. Probably my most m- memorable hunt. Um, and I'll, to be honest with you, I've had a thousand. Of them. I love yeah. them all. But yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like you talking about shooting cats, but really they're the biggest killer in our bush. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't like what, cats. one of my most memorable shots in the bush. I've driven over this bit of a rise. And all these big warrens, you'd, you'd see a fox slink down the bar and you'd see cats and that on the bar and there'd be 500,000 rabbits on these big sand duney open country. And there's these big, every now and then there's these big, um, like a native pine tree. Okay. And quite often because of the winds come through there, a lot of branches and that moving. but they're bloody, you know, 150 foot high. They're yeah. big trees. Anyhow, um, I remember this day I drove over and a big orange, massive big ginger cat took off. And for some reason, rather than going down the burrow, he's run right across his flat, gone up this tree, and he's clinging right to the top, <laughs> right to the top. He's up in this perch, in this tree, thinking he's safe, I guess. Yeah. And I thought, I'm only going to get one go at this because he'll be down in a flash <laughs> and going down a burrow. I'll never forget it. He come down like a sugar glider. I got underneath him, and I hit him dead perfect, right in the butt of the chest, looking down at me. made he come down a sugar glider, hit the ground, and run into rabbit warren. And there was a hole twice the size of a normal rabbit hole. And he's gone down it. And I was devastated. I thought, that's one of the best shots I've ever done. Straight up in the air. And I've lost him. Then I have seen a puff of dust. I went over. And he was laying dead right at the entrance. Oh, and no. it was <laughs> one of the most best feelings, you know. Like just, uh, oh, there was one of those occasions where I think, I wish someone had seen that. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> yeah. the way he come down. He was basically dead when he hit the ground. But you know what cats yeah. are like. They're a fit animal. Yeah. And he's run his 30, 40 yards to the burrow, And then... Uh, yeah, and then he expired. But I thought he'd got away. I thought, oh, there's another one I've lost down a burrow. But yeah, but uh, I'll wait till I turn the rope. We turn the talk off, and we can mm-hmm. tell you the... Dave and I can tell you a very good story about oh, a cat yeah. out there, can't we? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to no, tell no, 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 no. <laughs> You're right rip. Rip. <laughs> we'll tell you another story, yeah, for, gonna, your, for was, your personal collection. Apart
1: from that one... Um, What's the most What's the most memorable time? And and, and it could have even be this weekend. But between you two guys, and I know you guys are close. Yeah. What's the most memorable time between you guys? It can be um, different.
0: Watching him take a goat out with an instinctive shot. Yep. Yeah, mono had it. Wounded down the valley a bit, and we were actually on top of a very. Not a cliff, but yeah, one you wouldn't want to walk down yeah, or try sure. and climb up. The goat was right on top in the open. There was bush on the other side of it. We were above the goat. Well, Dave was above it, and then I was behind him. And uh, Mono sung out, is it out there? And we said, yeah, it's standing still out out here. And he said, well, if it bloody moves, shoot it. If it goes over that cliff, hit it. Um, yeah, you uh, wouldn't yeah, have found it. You yeah. wouldn't have found it. It was a drop in there. You just wouldn't have bothered no going man's down. Lead. You wouldn't even follow the 40-inch down there. And, uh, yeah, Dave was just standing there. I think it looks a good because I was above him. Yeah. And I could see the, Follow I saw the shot. Arrow. Yeah. It took two steps, whack, and it just dropped. It yeah. yeah, just came up in this, bump and yep. gone. And uh, had it been somebody there with a compound at full draw, waiting, it would have meant nothing. But, yeah, the fact it was just an instinctive shot and bang. Yeah. And, uh, wow, I can still see it. Yeah. No, yeah, the goat took two steps, got the arrow right through the shoulder blades and just dropped on the spot. Had Two more steps, it would have gone over the cliff. Mm. Uh, Dave? That,
2: yeah. yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, just on that, I'd just like to say something, and it's one of the things you talked about before, about keeping in the sport and that and not putting pressure on yourselves. I will always tell people, occasionally I'll have a spurt where I go all right, but I always describe myself as a B-grade shot with a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. I'm sometimes a little bit, bit embarrassed to walk onto a fields course. That's just me. You know, That's I can walk all day. They call me death March. So I can walk all day. And I've got the heart to do that as in the heart in my brain, I mean. So I can walk all day and do those sort of things. But I've never been, maybe because I was a banker, maybe because of my asthmatic mm-hmm. when I was young, I've never been strong in my chest area, my arm area. So for me to shoot a, a recurve or a... Um, a longbow, I get halfway around a field course. And I remember myself and Wayne Anderson years ago, we'd we'd get all the game with the clubs and then we'd go and shoot a field course and they'd have a one hour round and Wayne would have 16 and I'd have 18 after a full field course. And we loved it. We didn't give a rat really, yeah. but, you know, we'd yeah, get fun. in close. But we wouldn't shoot at targets 40 or 50 yeah. yards. Like that shot there was one, you know, I've yeah. done those sort of shots a lot on rabbits because you'll have a shot most yeah. distance yeah. at a... At a uh, and a rabbit, yeah, but just one of the things that's kept me in the sport in regards yeah. to I haven't put any pressure in fantasizing that I'm an A A plus shop yeah, with a bow sure. and arrow. So yeah. you just accept yeah. that. Yeah. We yeah. can't all be at the top of our top of our tree in every area of the sport. So I just accept that. Um, the cat story I'm gonna tell you later is probably my favourite event with Dave, but yeah. mate, we honestly have, we honestly have in close to well it so even if it's only thirty years, mate, we've had mm. some adventures. Oh, we've yeah, had some yeah, shared yeah. some outstanding camps, some some outstanding hunts but one of the things I remember and and when when, like the guys from Tully come down or from North Queensland come down um, I could not be more proud of them Shane Depelle's the same to take them out and whistle a fox yep. and get them the shots yep. I'd take 10 shots for them to get one that doesn't matter and uh, Dave come down. We went to the first trophy takers' do at uh, not Chafey Dam, Copton Dam. Copton Dam. Yeah, yeah, at the Scout Hall there, we had our do there, and we we spent a day or two whistling foxes. And you know, Dave didn't have any luck. You were mm-hmm. hunting with a the longbow then, I think. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, Dave eventually come down and visited myself and my good mate Dave James, where I was living at Albury at the time, and we took Dave out, and uh, he finally nailed the first fox after a several you, attempts. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair few, and the worst part is. One thing about fox whistling, that if I take someone new out, I just say, well, I'm here to try and help you get a fox. But, you know, if, uh, if it comes in and the shot's there for me to take, I'll take it. Yep. That doesn't happen that often. Because I can pretty well with fox whistling, I'll stop someone. David, know this. I'll say, because I'm walking looking for a spot mm. to whistle. Yeah. And if there's two people, when I pull up, I'll say very quietly, I'll stand here. You stand there, you stand there, left and right or whatever. Yep. And the fox would probably come up that cattle track. <laughs> and it's surprising how often it happens. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? oh yeah. You, you do it enough, you know. read them well. Yeah, but occasionally it yeah. goes pear-shaped, one will come in behind you or, uh, or the person that you're trying to get a shot will have a shot and miss. So yeah. And the fox jumps sideways and you shoot it. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah. But I guess... Nothing super special about the shop. Your first fox, you know, just mm-hmm. the excitement, me and Jamesy and that. And we've got yeah. some it's great, really good photos, haven't we, you, with yeah, that fox? Yeah, but just Dave from Tully, long way down feel. south. And he'd made a few trips, you know. Yeah. Um, and and as you know, it was a bit like me me, two turkeys over 30 days. Dave come down a lot. Yeah. And this, no disrespect to Dave, he doesn't always shoot something. He had a he had a uh fellow buck there one year, <laughs> <laughs> the one no, the ones you photographed, I mean.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, the one yeah. you
2: photographed. You know, it was a couple of days just sort of watching his scrape and that and couldn't get the perfect shot and that's one thing about Davey. If he can't get the absolute perfect shot, he won't it. take it. Mm. Um you know, and that was, you know, you travel bloody 1500 oh, 2000 yeah. k's to do these trips. He'll head home with nothing, but the trip means no less to him. But yeah. for him to come down all the way down to Albury from Tully and get this really, really nice winter fox, and James is like me, we're just so happy for him to do yeah. that, and got some great photos out yeah. of it, and yeah, just a good hunt. So, but at the end of the day, mate, we've had a thousand trips yeah. together. Oh yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Obviously, uh, we'll sort of we'll start sort of wrapping it up, but yeah. you know, to to finish up. Um, I'll start with you, Dave. Um, Who's been your number one idol, inspiration? I know it's hard because it's very easy to see that you absorb it for everybody, but who's been one that you've put up on a pedestal that's like, you know,
2: I'll look up to him or her? Yeah. um, I have thought about this occasionally. Obviously, in the early days... It can change, like yeah. someone earlier, okay. someone now. Well, I'll tell you someone in the early days. Um, uh, and this also explains to people how our sports change, which I think was a very important part of this talk. Mm. In the early days, myself and my really good mate, Wayne Cressy, I played footy with him and that, and he's the bloke that got me into bow hunting back in 1969. And once we got into it, so we're in our first year at Canberra High School, um, once we got into it, um, there'd be... Two magazines come out, the Sporting Shooter and uh, the Australian Outdoors, which was all outdoor things plus hunting. That magazine doesn't exist anymore. and hasn't for a long time. But to give you an idea how the world's changed, those two magazines, Sporting Shooter magazine in Canberra High School Library, so the heart of Canberra and all the people that are fairly green, even back in those days, in the mid-70s, those, those shooting magazines, we couldn't afford to buy them. We're, you know, neither of our families very wealthy. We'd wait till these shooting magazines come into the school library and we'd go and read the Dallas Conway and the Ian Fenton stories. Mm-hmm. So they were obviously the bloke that gave us that. And when I shot that big goat, and the bloke from the Deer Association in Canberra said to me, he said, mate, this could be an Australian record. And I'd remember reading that Dallas Conway had the record It was 39 inches and 119 points or whatever. And... I then contacted Ian Fenton, you know, and I was, and then I met him a year later at the safari up in Tamworth, you know, and, um, you know, and as he said yesterday, we've been friends for 40 years. There's been some trying times because Ian's a fairly strong-minded man, as you would have gathered fairly quickly over the weekend. But um, It's a passion. Yeah, so, and I had one, so Ian Fenton and the other bloke was Dallas Conwell. We had a club hunt in Canberra uh, just before Dallas died where um, the, uh, uh, the two blokes had the archery magazine. I used to help them proofread it in the days before we, uh, before they went to print or before they put it out. I used to help John Ursham and Richard Snape in Canberra proofread the mag for spelling mistakes and then finally put it out to print. And they organised a hunt with Dallas Conway for our club in Canberra. So to meet Dallas and to meet um, uh, Ian for that first time, they were the original guys, but it was more, I guess, starstruck in terms of... Um, uh, you know, these guys, you just picture these things. Mm. And I've already talked about the Keebles and the Solaris's once, that that northern area. But another bloke that really, really impressed me on the Stewart Island uh, trip was Benny Solaris. And we've done a few of hunts together now. But, mate, uh, and obviously as a young bloke, Adam Greentree, hunted with him a lot, and I admire the go in the guy. Absolutely yep. admire it, you know, and, and a great hunter. But... I tell people after I walk back. So what happened? Benny got his two deer. Got a great white-tailed deer. Yeah, we just measured her up today. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's mm. an absolute ripper. But anyhow, um, so I was the only one out of the twelve guys who didn't have a tree stand there. Mm-hmm. So Benny, me and Ben said Dave. And we were in a different uh, hut, but we visited him a couple of nights, a couple of sessions. And anyhow, he said Dave. He said you can have my tree stand tomorrow. He said I've walked into a really good game trail. He said um, he said go and give it a go. And the good thing is, I don't know what Ben weighs. He might be 110 kilos, and I'm about 70 odd. Mm-hmm. So when I get there, I'm a shit scared of heights. So I walk into this place. He's given me the GPS bearings, and then I walk into it. And I'm thinking, by the Christ, he's done well to get in here, carrying this, carrying this thing. Like you, there was, there was a hundred places closer that he could have stopped, and put this tree stand up. He found this perfect spot. Anyhow, I stayed up till dark. I didn't see a deer. I walked out. And in almost fifty years of bow hunting and walking the bush, mate, and I've walked everywhere. You think I've walked a lot of country? That two hours to one, walk one point four four kilometres back. Uh, Casey McCallum had the boat for us. On, we had all all blocked. We had permission on, on that. Casey had the boat. And he was waiting for me. I walked out in the dark. Took me two hours to do one point four four kilometres. Uh, mainly because of fallen trees and moss and all that and vines. Um, I thought to myself, how the friggin hell did Ben walk in here and why? What drove him to go that extra kilometre? I've seen a hundred places he could have put this tree stand, but not only the tree stand, the fact that where he... you know, he could have put it 20 foot lower, yeah. but he's gone right up. He's done everything right to make sure of that success. And I thought, because Ben's a big boy, yeah. you know, and I thought to myself, and he parties hard, as we all know, <laughs> I thought to myself, you know, for him to cut this in here, and not give in to um, so and I'll take the shortcut and just put the tree stand up here. And at the end of the day, he was only guy, only got two shots. Most of us only got one. I didn't get any, and uh, Al Al Kidner didn't get a shot either. I think so. There was two of the ten, twelve of us didn't get a shot. Mm-hmm. But um, the end of the day, to cut that in there and have that determination to cut all that shit in there, plus his bow and everything else, put it up. Uh, then get his deer and then say to me, Dave, you have a go. It's all yours. I'm very happy to give it to you for the rest of the trip. Yeah. And after I walked out the next night, I said, I'm not doing that the next night. So uh, Woolsey went in, <laughs> yeah. and Mark Wills went in. And the funny thing is, Woolsey carried the tree stand back out the next night,
0: <laughs> oh, and he nearly
2: yeah. died too. So yeah, <laughs> great, great ad- admiration for Ben what he's done. Um, but also the network of guys I knocked around with, like yeah, you know sure. me, me, Wayne Andersons, your, your Ben Reese, your Jeremy Kelly, Shane Japel all those sort of guys, I hump with them for a reason. Yeah, I hump with them for a reason. You know, your Adam Green trees, your Ben Chambers. They've, they've got the right attitude, um, and that's what I love about it. You know, there's no, it's give, give, give. Yeah, give, give, give all the time. And obviously in those early days, your Alan Koenigans and yeah. Doug DePelt and Tom Hills taught me so much and taught me the right way, the right attitudes. Sure. Yeah. 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 Bit long winded, but that's. No, really, that's, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. ask for more, mate. Yeah. It was unreal cable. I'll be short-winded. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, oh, sorry. You yeah, look like I'll, Mark Ballard, too. Yeah, he's yeah. a great hunter. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm basically the same. I just... Any of these guys I hunt with, yep. I admire. And, and basically, for the same reason, I've got two American bow hunters that I've always uh, really admired as well, Jay Macy and... Uh, <laughs> oh...
2: President Trump. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> only a guess. No. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so put you right off. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah. No, you're completely throwing me. Yeah, the Alzheimer's <laughs> kicking in. Um, it, uh, he made uh, the uh, silver uh, Schaefer, Paul Schaefer. that's yep. Schaefer Silvertip. He made that. He they're both uh, dead. Mm. No, but yeah, they were two I really admired. But now, any other guys in trophy takers that yep. I hunt with, they've all yeah. Yeah, they've all got the really good strong points, and yeah, you know, like I've hunted, hunted with Ben since he was well, I don't know what ten years old, and mm. that. Doesn't uh, change, does he? Still looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a bit taller now. Yeah, very. But uh, no, I, I, that'd be impossible to single out one. I've just enjoyed hunting with all of them, and That's uh, awesome. I am very choosy who I hunt with now as well. Well, yeah. I know them all. I know I can go out with Dave or Dave. Other Dave, any time, buddy, yeah. uh, and any of the other guys in Trophy yeah. Takers, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Dave James, Dave and Dave Whiting, its bloody confusing. <laughs> yeah, does <get> <laughs> hey but Dave, yeah, which yeah. one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Ian, I read the
0: same magazines, to Ian Fenton, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah,
2: most people have probably got that story. I
0: think, yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: I think, um yeah. You know, I got to, you know, I got to must admit, you know, yesterday, you know, sitting there having beers with you guys and that, and, feel very, very humbled very quickly, you know what I mean? And, uh,
2: yeah, no, it didn't come across that way but should, in a, uh, in, yeah, a but
1: no, in a really positive way. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make it you guys aren't you don't do it in make it... All, like it's just like you're part of the crew and and yep. understanding mm. that you're involved in so much history so quickly. Um it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah. um obviously I wanna thank you guys personally yeah. for, for your inspiration over the over the years. Um you know that the story you guys tell and continue to tell is, is simply Awesome, I can't thank you enough, and I hope yeah. you keep going with it, and I know you will. Okay, yeah, thank you. Closing thoughts, um, anything you want to leave us with? Um okay, we'll start with you. You know, any, anything no, that you I'm, just uh, want to throw out I'm there? I'm
0: just really glad you're doing this, because finally oh, it's gone on record. Yep.
1: Yeah. This is uh, a big part of all uh, this too. Yeah, um,
0: no, I think it's good, the same with the museum. It, yep. It's good, it's... Uh, uh, Yep. Up and running, and hopefully stays up and running. But the fact now, yeah, that you you can do this sort of thing, yeah, put it out there, you know, because we came from a time when, yep. well, we had a movie camera. There's no such thing as mobile phones yep. or anything. So yep. yeah, these trips are getting, and I heap, hope you keep it up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it definitely will, Wayne.
1: I've got it. to thank you. You have absolutely yeah. no notice, literally. Three seconds yeah. before yeah. he put the mic on, Kee was like, You're coming in here, so we're in a little room. You can
2: take the knife out of his back now, Nick. We're <laughs> finished with him. Uh, yeah. We've him up.
0: Uh, yeah, make sure you get Slosh and a, a few of the other We're others, actually just what? playing a trip, and it was meant yeah. to happen. Like, obviously, so much happened yeah. last yeah, this night, weekend. and uh, yeah. this weekend yeah. just went so fast. But, but uh, no, uh, yeah, the more the older guys you get, and uh, yep. yeah, keep up the good work. Cheers,
2: thank you. Dave? Yeah, well. I'll go back to what I said. Come into the sport. Enjoy it. Remember the old Winston Churchill quote. Whether you've been in the sport already for 40 years or whether you've been in it for five minutes, just remember that quote. You know, what can you do for the sport? Just enjoy it. Don't expect too many people to give to you. Just appreciate it when it does happen. So enjoy it, appreciate it, but also make a little bit of an effort to understand our history. If you listen back through this talk, you'll hear me say that... um, it's hard to believe, but we didn't have GPSs. We didn't have um, we didn't have camouflage gear. Guys, we didn't have compounds or anything. You guys hunted. Yeah. So just appreciate where we've come from, um, and that's not to give me and Dave or any of those guys that recognition. It's just the progression of our sport, and to lose that sport out of Australia now at the stroke of a pen. It's only happened a few mm. times. Scary. Yeah. Just just appreciate where we've come from. And, you know, I, I got to, to say, well done to Ian Fenton for getting this history together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mate, he's the, and I, it's world class. It's it is. world yeah. class. I've been to the Australian Museum in Canberra and, mate, there's nothing better than this. It's yeah. as good a quality as that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just appreciate it. Um, see what you can put back into the sport and don't, don't judge people. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah, don't but, judge from afar. Get the facts and yeah. if you don't need to make a comment that's negative, don't. Very well said, mate. It's too yeah. small
1: of a community to be uh, yeah. to have
2: anything in it. So yeah, work together. Yeah,
1: thank guys, you. I can't thank you enough. I really do. It uh, it means a lot to me for you guys to jump on here and, and be so open, you know, with it. Yeah. And and I know Dave, you've been coming for weeks, like it. As soon as I, we asked you the other week, yep. um, you know, you'll jump straight up, hands up. So.
2: Well, I was worried I mightn't have anything to say. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm just sitting here taking it all in. This is the best ever. So. But uh, thanks, yeah. Nick, the fireman or the heater man, and The, the nice sitting over man. here Keeping us warm. Yeah. And, uh, Nick, the knife. <laughs> Nick, knife, yeah. Hell, hell Keeble. That uh, knife point to keep talking. But, no, thank you very much. No, excellent. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. So, yeah. well, cheers, guys, and uh, we'll hit the road. Yeah, safe so yeah. trip back to the port. Yeah, good on you guys. Thank you very yeah, thank much. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of The Hunting Camp Down Under. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Hoyt Bow Hunting and Oscar Broadheads. I've shot these both these products for many years now, and there's nothing I feel more comfortable with when it comes to chasing the trophy of lifetime. That's all for me this week. Good luck in the hills, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of The Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.